Eric Berg, and Owen McIntyre. Hello, everybody, and I'm back. Back from <laughs> the brink of death. Uh, of all shows to... Man, yeah, I know. It's always that, that, that one that I hype up, and then something happens, like asthma attack, and yeah, so... yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I was not here last week, but I am much better now. I had the terrible flu, which led to an asthma attack, which led to a, uh, you know, a visit for a treatment. And uh, yeah, here we are. So but <laughs> <laughs> this week, uh, we are joined by Don Patterson, uh, and we're going to talk about everything from what he's got going on with his pythons all the way to his blue tongue skinks. Uh, he works with some really, really cool projects. And he hasn't been on in uh, it's been it's been quite a while. But, it's been a while, uh, yeah, yeah, at least a few years. Um, and you know, all last season, you know, just it never worked out uh, time wise and schedule wise. But now here we are, and uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna knock it out. So, um, I wanted to make sure that everybody knew that uh, we just unveiled our new logo. So I want to give a big shout out to Jeff Frederick from, uh, from the hands of Jeff Frederick. Uh, he does amazing, amazing work. Uh, what do you think, Owen? Do you like it? I, I absolutely love it. And it's one of those things where it's like every time we ask Jeff to do something, we're like, yes. you know, we're like, you know, no, no, like, don't, don't kill yourself and all this stuff. And then he just like blows it out of the freaking water. We're like, holy shit. It's like, so, I mean, he's designed uh, the past couple carpet fest. I know he's been designing for all the other carpet fests, uh, or at least some of them. Uh, and now he's busted out our brand new logo and I absolutely love it. Um, it's really cool. Cause it's like, you don't really, <laughs> I'm looking at that carpet and I'm like, it's kind of a tiger. It's so I'm like, is that Satch? I'm like, I don't know. So um, it's, it's, it's very cool and I'm excited. And uh, I know we have the uh, t-shirts that are for sale right now. And I'm going to try to talk to the artists and get the new logo added to those t-shirts. So if you haven't gone over and got one yet, please do. We'll have the link up for you guys a little bit later. Uh, just some Morelia Python Radio swag. You and I were talking um, before the show yeah. about how we had to we had to boost up our swag game. So um, yeah, but no, yeah. It's, it's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. So you know, like I said, uh, Jeff he does amazing work. He he did the he's actually done the South uh, East Carpet Fest um, logo as well. So mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, if you're yeah, if you're in the market for getting a logo or any kind of design like that, I would definitely uh, give sh- uh, Jeff a shout for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're what? Uh, what is it? Maybe two a week, yeah, two weeks away, I guess. About a little over two weeks away from Carpet Fest. So Southeast Carpet Fest, I should say. There's right. so many of them now. We can't keep straight. It's ridiculousness. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, we have Casey. Uh, Casey's going to come on. Casey Cannon's going to come on and uh, real quick, give us a rundown and get one last shout out to the Southeast Carpet Fest. And then it's all Northeast from this point forward. Goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Hey, Casey, man. What's up? How you doing, man? Hey, guys. 
Yeah. Hear me? We're just yeah, 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 man. We got you. Oh, cool. So what do you got for us? Yeah, how y'all doing? Uh, Southeast Carpet Fest is February 9th, uh, which mm-hmm. is the weekend after this weekend. So, like you said, about two weeks away. Cool. It is at Cody and Pia's house, which is uh, located in Melrose, Florida. And if you guys can uh, get people to join our Facebook group, we have the uh, – I think we have the address and everything where it's going to be um, up right now. Okay. 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 Uh, we need to go through sponsors. It is sponsored by Forrest and Desiree Fanning of Cold Blooded Cafe, uh, feedersource.com, uh, Robin and the team from uh, Ship Your Reptiles, and the guys from the Herpetoculture Podcast. Uh, we also, like you guys were talking about with your new logo, we really need to thank Jeff Frederick for the logo for our new shirts. They look really good. I just got mine in today. I'll be sure to wear it. Uh, yeah, I got mine too. Very nice. Yeah, it looks really cool. Sorry, yeah, really I didn't does. mean to mess up, Casey. Uh, oh, no, 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 you're <laughs> good. Like, I'm just kind of going down the list, like making sure Ian's not going to yell at me if I forget something. Uh, Ian Schmidt, uh, he won't yell. Yeah, forget that. <laughs> you're not going to – oh, yeah, you are going to see him in a couple days. About. Yeah, yeah, forget, yeah. And then I'll yell back at him. Well, I mean, Don Patterson's on, so you gotta you got to put Stonewash Jag stuff on tonight. There you go, see? <laughs> of course we have to talk about that. Yeah. Melanistic Blue Tongue Skinks. But anyway, uh, Southeast Carpet Fest auction, we have it up on our Facebook page. I think we still have 50 more items to put up. And last I heard, we had already raised almost $13,000. And this year, we have decided to uh, split the money between four different universities that are studying or about to be studying uh, nidovirus pythons. So that's where the money there is going. Cool. Awesome. Yep. Uh, Hotels. Um, Melrose is very close to Gainesville and Keystone Heights, Florida, both of Mm -hmm. which have an airport, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hotels, I think, are still open there. There's a lot of B&B options. Cody and Pia did offer their uh, front yard as camping, if anybody's into that. I don't know what the weather's going to be like, though. It's kind of the only reason I'm not going to uh, be putting a tent up there. Oh. Okay. Uh, Gainesville International Airport is 25 minutes away. Uh, Jacksonville International is an hour and a half away. And if you want to make a trip to Disney World along with it, uh, Orlando International Airport is two hours away. Uh, Most important thing for it is to remember to RSVP with us so we know how many people are coming. And you have to sign up to bring something on Sign Up Genius. And that's about it, other than the fact we are having a get-together at uh, one of the Gainesville breweries uh, on Friday night, right before it. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Yep. Uh, now, should they contact yeah, it could be a really good time. I think we're excited. Should uh, they contact, contact me, to... Ian, or uh, Cody and Pia. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Awesome, man. Sweet. Yeah, I, um, I think that's all we got. We uh, T-shirts are already sold out. Uh, items are just about all put up on the auction, so go check it out. We have a lot of really okay. good stuff. Awesome. Cool deal, man. Well, I hope you guys I'll have a good time. see you in dude. about a week. <laughs> yeah, I'll see ya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Casey. All right, Thanks, bye. All right, bye. See you guys. Cool. Um, all right. 
um, yeah, we got what we had to get. Let's get Don on. Let's get this going. So we got a lot <laughs> to talk about, man. Yeah. Yo, I'm just going to say, I'm going to say two words to you, man. Before yes. I click the Don yes. on here. Yeah. Remember. Yeah. Silver. I don't, they're on the list. And if you think you're talking about them, I'm a, I'll drive over to your oh, house they're... right now. No, no, you shut up. <laughs> they're on the list, man, to talk about I know. tonight. The silver we're Sabu, gonna... uh, yeah. I even tempted you with a picture halfway That's through there. That's not fair. Please, I mean, because yeah. now yeah. I'm not paying attention to the scroll. Uh-huh. I'm just, yeah. I'm going to see that and be like, oh. And, yeah, now we're doomed. <laughs> Very good. Hey, Don, welcome back to Morelia Python Radio. How you doing, man? Hey, guys. Uh Thanks for having me on. It's uh, nice to be here again, and I hope you can hear me okay. Yeah, yeah we got you. Sounds great. It's been Perfect. a while, so we want to get we wanted to get back in with you for a quick checkup. It has check been a while. I apologize. <laughs> Most of it was on my end, so my apologies. That's probably uh, no worse. It's probably us too. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. so, so okay, so go ahead, yeah, go ahead, Owen. No, go. Damn it. All right, well, what have you been up to? I mean, like, what has changed? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> I think what has changed is I'm in deeper than I was before. It's just more, <laughs> more animals, more work, more sheds, more shit. Oh, good. Yeah. It. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty much full-time, you know? Like, it, it was before, but even more so. So it's all good, though, but, it, you know, some days you're just like, oh, my God, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty happy with everything so far so things are going good they're going really good i've just as i said i've just been like just nose nose to the grind wheel just doing it and doing it you know it's uh it can be it can be taxing some days it's not a hard job as far as physical labor goes but sometimes mentally it's just you know it's just such a repetitive yeah. thing of picking up the shit tub after tub or cage after cage <laughs> and you know and you got to love yeah. the turkey jag that smears its shit all over the cage, too, right? Oh, what an ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's always the prettiest ones, too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you just... Pisses you know. up the wall. Yeah, you know, it's exactly... Thank you. Thank you so much. Exactly. Yeah. How about you guys? You guys are doing good? Yeah. Yeah, man. doing all right. You know, nothing's changed too much for us. And, you know, Eric still loves IJs, and I'm still trying to get rough scales to actually make babies for me. So, yeah, it's... Same. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Pretty much. So, um, what? I mean, so I guess your collection has grown. I mean, is this like? Yeah, what, it's just. What kind of? Yeah, no, you're right. It it has. Although, I, I, there's probably a sort of a finite number of animals one one sort of normal human being can maintain, and I'm probably at that right now. So for right. me, some of the big. For me, some of the sort of bigger changes or differences and we might have talked about this last time on the show i don't remember but was cutting down on my ball collection and really concentrating mm. on a variety again and you know the the ball ride was great it was fun i i still keep a bunch i still love them they're great to work with hello to all my ball buddies <laughs> out there but i for me the for me the the variety has always been um sort of a, a key component of of my sort of business plan because i don't want to be caught out when not when, but, you know, just when prices, just, I mean, it could happen to a carpet morph. It could happen to any snake. Yeah. You know, it's always cyclical. I remember when jungles and ring pythons, I don't know if you guys remember this or maybe it was a little bit before your time, but, like, really nice jungles and ring pythons used to be, like, anywhere from 7500 to 200 bucks. 
Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Now, and there, there was a weird period. There was, there was sort of a wave of, of the 90s, sort of mid-early 90s and into the late 90s. And then as the 90s faded away going into the 2000s, a lot of, everybody moved to Morse. Like, like even, you, you know, what was the uh, Vivarium? You guys know what Vivarium magazine is? Yes. Yeah, I have them. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Okay, I know it doesn't exist. I know it's old school, but there's still lots of cool articles. <laughs> I remember. I don't know the date of this issue, but I remember one issue, and I kind of it kind of bummed me out because I wasn't really into morphs. But they ran a spotlight of all the hot new stuff, and they did a section on amphibians, lizards, iguanids, uh, tortoises, pythons, boas. And when you look at it, it was all morphs. It was all about morphs. Oh, they didn't mention much cool species, and then I and I, I had to admit myself, well, dude, if you want to do this for a living, you're gonna to have to. You, you, sometimes you just said I have to go with the flow, and it was fun. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. But I always love I always love working with species as well, like a variety yeah, of like, rather than it, just one thing. It's like you're you have two ego, two alter egos in your in your head, you know. At least for me, and it's like you get real excited when you're working with the morphs, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, this is awesome, and then totally. You look at the, you know, you know, regular jungle carpet, and you're like, well, this is just as cool. Uh, you know? Yeah. I, <laughs> this you know, is pretty, too. <laughs> I know. I, I'm totally guilty of that. There was my buddy. It was nowhere near me, but someone someone online had a pair of uh, Calabaria burrowing pythons. Oh, uh, he cool. lives near my buddy. And I, I literally, like, a couple of weeks ago, I phoned my buddy up. And I'm like, dude, do you think you can go grab those for me? You know, <laughs> do you think you can help me sex them? Like, yeah, I'm just you know I'm an addict like everybody like everybody else you know. But <laughs> yeah. space, space, space is a big limiter in in what you know probably what you can do. It really makes a big difference. It really is a deciding factor. Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, otherwise we'd all have it. Everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's it's probably good we make choices and we stick with stuff we hopefully really want or really like. So you know. Hmm. You know, how many yeah, of those I, big giant breeders, like think of all those big giant breeders that don't exist anymore. And, you know, I don't need to say anymore, but you can just imagine, you know, <laughs> just like sure. how much time do they really enjoy it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. Yeah, it's it, yeah. I'm I'm sort of going through that now, like trying to find that perfect balance between, oh. you know, the projects you want to work with, but also having, you know, time to enjoy the animal, you know, and absolutely. Just like... And that is, that, that's definitely something I, I uh, sort of fight with all the time and mm-hmm. not even enjoy the animal, just enjoy doing what you're doing. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, not burning out, you know, like mm-hmm. that's what makes me not laugh, not laugh in a mean way, but laugh in a like, okay, well one day you'll understand where some, some of us guys have been doing a long time. It's that you, you were always, it's it's very it's very easy to burn out and it's easier yeah. to burn out than not and I I've been lucky I've never done that because I was very careful how I got big I I did it slow I mean I always had part time jobs for years but anyway I don't want to bore people with that stuff but you know start off <laughs> slow and just take it easy and don't rush you know so many newbies they they oh I can't wait to do this for a living and do what you do or do what that guy does or whatever and I'm just like careful what you wish for <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right no, and we've had that conversation a few times with a few people that have done this professionally or made the transition and yep. it, if you don't if you take it lightly you could get in some big trouble i mean this is this is not a very this should not be an easy decision you should definitely weigh all your options and move accordingly but you know i i completely agree with you yeah and it's not just and, and not even your own decision but with mm-hmm. your i guess your immediate family life and everything else it's you're right it's not a small decision 
And not only you've got your own crap to deal with, but the animals' <laughs> welfare is, I mean, they're dependent on you for the welfare, right? So totally right. agree. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and then you got to worry about, you know, i got to produce X amount of animals to make X amount of dollars to pay the bill, you know, and it's, it, yeah. it, it's almost like a pressure. You, you that, kinda, you kinda, yeah, you kind of have to yeah. be a jack of all trades. I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to brag about myself being that, but, like, you have, to be <laughs> sort of, you have to be sort of a vet's assistant, right, because, you know, you go see right. a vet, get help with animals, and then you're responsible for carrying it out for the next several weeks. Something's going right. wrong or sick, whatever. You have to be, you know, good at cleaning and organizing, you know, because you can't just – if you have a large collection and you're a one-man show or you got a little bit of help here and there, you, you have to be able to, to, you know, like I have working hours and I stick to those. You know, one day it's this and that's what I do that day. The next day it's this. You have to have some kind of regimen. And then, um, you know, you also have to be a little bit of a, an accountant, right? Because you've got to keep track mm-hmm. of all your paperwork or, or income tax, sure. especially when you're self-employed. And you have to do it properly. If, like I've spoken, maybe not so much in Canada, but I've spoken to lots of guys in the U.S. who uh, – Man, they've gotten themselves in such holes with 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 um, um with income tax. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'll bet. And it's yeah. not even their own fault. They just things get carried away. The money comes in. It's so easy. And then suddenly a year goes by. They didn't file. Then another year. So again, you know, y- y- you guys are right. You you really got to think hard about it and make sure you have all your ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like uh, I would think that if I would to make a transition to do this full time. I would have to somehow change my mindset because like when snake money comes in now, it's like, it, it's not even like real money almost. You know what I mean? Because oh, it's a new yeah, snake. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. hilarious. It's a new snake, you know? So it's just like a rotating yeah. door. It's like somebody gives me money yeah. and then I give somebody else money. And, you know, I would think like I would just be so in that, you know, like, woohoo, you know, here's 500 bucks. Well, Here's another no, 500 bucks I, I, to my PayPal. Woo! <laughs> I, I agree with you. And I'm kind of like, you know, I'm kind of all the crazy uh, nationalities that are known for being cheap. I'm kind of all of them rolled into one because <laughs> you you, you kind of have to be, hey, I'm being politically correct. I don't want to be rude. Right. I'm, it's I'm all right. Sure. <laughs> um, and I'm not a jerk, but, you know, um, but the thing is, is you, you kind of have to, like you're talking about, like, yeah, you have to kind of just keep stock, stocking money away for bills because they're yeah. coming. And you can't yeah. have these, oh, wow, I sold all these snakes. I just had, you know, sold $10,000 order to someone. You know, woohoo, I'm going to go blow that. It's like, no, that's your mortgage <laughs> payment. That's your medical bills. That's this, your car payment or whatever, gas, you know, food. Yeah. Yeah. You know. The impulse impulse reptile buy stops. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's done. That is a thing of the past. Right. <laughs> but on, on the on the side on the on kind of to disagree with what I just said though, you do get to write in a, in very people have various businesses of various ways of writing these off. But that's the good thing, is you can apply the purchase of those animals against your income. So there there's yeah. kind of a little bit of a silver lining to yeah. it. Sure. That's so if someone in your immediate family says, you want to spend how much on a pair of lizards? There's no effing way. And you could say, well, look at it this way, you know. Right. Tax. Bring them around. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. So I don't know if it's helping people or helping them dig themselves in deeper. We got either one. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's That's like the tagline of our carpet f- of our podcast. We don't know if we're helping or helping dig you into a hole. So yeah, it's either yeah. way. Yeah. Totally agree. So you know, I you know, I was just thinking about today and like you know i remember hearing you back on reptile radio back in the day and like you know so you've been doing this quite a while so like is there 
I mean, do you think like let's let's just take carpet pythons just for example. I mean, thinking back, like you remember the days of when the albino was hot and like nobody had it and everybody wanted it and like you know you oh, dreamed dude, we, of a of a snow carpet and now here we are. So yeah, like, what's your thoughts on like where we were and where we are? Well, I don't know if I have so much of. I have some interesting, not insights, just thoughts. Number one is I have been doing it a long time, and I actually, sometimes I surprise myself. I I think I should be a bigger breeder than I am, but anyway. (laughs) I've been doing it. My first year of production was 94. Damn. That was my, now not not as a full-time business. No, no, no. But that was my first year of doing it as a a hobby on the side, trying to, you know, putting every penny back into it, you know, including what I got from animals, buying more. So that was my first year of production. So I have been around a long time. And uh, I guess things, I guess the easiest answer would be the first thing is sort of things come and go. Like it's such a, it's such a what's in vogue now, what isn't then. Like let's take, for example, Savu pythons. So mm-hmm. when Savu pythons first hit the, hit the market as wild caught, that's when I got mine and that's when I bred them. And I'd have to double check my records, but I think it was around 90, I'll say 97 to 99 when the first, the first wild caughts that most of us, Joe Blow public could buy. Like I'm sure there was lots of inside dealers and breeders and stuff that knew all the big importers in the U.S. and could have better access to them. But for most people to have access to them, it was probably like 98. So right. everybody wanted them. But then, just like you know, human beings, the grass is always greener. Once we all had them, then everyone kind of looked at each other and so said, "Okay, well, what's next?" And then it was <laughs> on to something else, and prices dropped. And that's where I'm heading with the jungles and the ring. I mean, it's I've just noticed this ebb and flow. Like it just. Mm-hmm. I, it's 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 a little different, like with morphs, especially let's just take ball pythons as an example, or, or boa morphs or, or whatever. It's a linear drop, and it never bounces back. Right. Yeah. There might be a, there might. I'm not trying to sound all technical and money oriented on this, and I graph it as an investment, but you know maybe some people do. But but I have noticed right. that, that that definitely there's a consistent drop. But I would say with species, so morphs it tends to be a steady drop. And then right. in species, it's it's like a wave of people's fancy and what's cool or in demand or what's not anymore. So, so you know, I, I I'm not predicting jungles and ring pythons, for example, are going to be worth not much. But you know, as as supply and demand sort of meet each other, then maybe the prices and things will drop. Uh, maybe not. I'm not too sure. But that's right. happened in the past. That's for sure what's happened in the past. And the other thing that has always caught me off guard, that always surprised me, and I people say it to this day, is Let's take an albino boa, for example. When those things are 200 bucks, you won't be able to breed enough or keep them in stock. And it doesn't matter what animal it is, what morph it is. We all say when it's cheaper, you won't be able to hold, you won't be able to make enough. And I've never seen that happen. Right. Yeah. And I yeah, assume because so many other people are breeding them that no, there's not one person that can make a thousand and sell them all. There's just too many people doing it. It just doesn't work that way. They still sell. I'm not trying to sound negative. It's just that I think you know what I mean. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know. We could just think of like, you know, one day when there's a black carpet, let's say there's a black carpet one day and, you know, you get in the middle of the project and then you're like, oh man, when these things are a couple hundred bucks, like everybody in the world will want one. Well, it just doesn't work. It's not so simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Selling is is a is a definitely a huge we didn't even talk about that being self-employed and doing this for a living. That is that is I have actually I've said this to people kind of jokingly and they actually they say it's true that it's harder to sell than breed the animals. Oh yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god. It's Yeah, okay, good. You agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like the heart, yeah, because 
now you're dealing. I hate to say, I have to hate the way so this is sound, but now do you're gonna, you, now you're dealing with people. You know yeah, what I mean? Like when you're bullshit. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> when you're dealing with animals, it's just like, oh, yeah. this is awesome, you know. And then you start yeah, dealing with no, people and the bullshit that comes with it, you know. And it's yeah. just like, oh my but, god. But okay, yes, you are correct, and and I totally agree with you, and we all go crazy with it. But having said that, we've all probably made amazing friends through animals we've bought or sold. Yeah. And I have to oh, reptile hell, trade. Uh, yeah. like, oh, hell, yeah. I've, made, I've made friends that, yeah, and I've made friends that I would happily send them, you know, $10,000 worth of animals and I, I know that I'm not going to get screwed. You know what I mean? Like exactly. that kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with you there. Just like everything, it goes both ways. But I hear you. De- dealing with people is, is, you know, animals are relatively predictable, but people, it's just like, whoa. Well, <laughs> I think for me... <laughs> For me, it's kind of like, uh, I guess I'm just from a different generation. I'm from, I'm, I think I'm the last generation to not know what it's like not to have internet. You know, like yeah. my generation yeah. lived before there was an internet. So like we look at the well, world with me, differently. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And like I my have... business was, my business was running before the internet was going. So my first price lists were were my friend who was good with computers. I did some yard work for him, and he would make up my my template of a, of a, a colored template of pictures and prices and photocopied. I'd go to a photocopy shop, get a couple hundred done, and then I'd ma- I'd put ads in ma- reptile magazines and then mail them out to people when they asked me to send them to them. Like that's how yeah, I started insane. my business. Like it's just you that know, is like priceless. insane. <laughs> I know, I know. It's totally insane. And then when the internet yeah. came, it was just like it just. You didn't really know what was happening. It was like you were just part of that tidal wave. You couldn't appreciate the change until it was. You just kind of looked around one day and said, "Holy shit! Like this is crazy." This this guy emailed me. He's already sent me his money online. I sent him a photo of the snake, and now this afternoon I'm gonna go ship it. You know, it's right. And you you just sort of sat down and real. And you didn't realize that was happening until it had already happened. You know, it just it's one of those weird things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we got internet when I was in elementary school, so I don't know. Well, I'm just going to be quiet now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I mean. So it's like you know, I'm from a different a different world. Like I I love I love technology. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great, but I think it just you look at the world differently. The people that didn't have it and now have it, as opposed to the people that always had it. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and, and then people that are like, you know, young today, they're not going to know what it's like not to have a phone. Like, like if your phone is not, you know, right with you at all times, but they're not going to know what that, mm. that, that world oh, yeah. is those, like. Those, so. The people who, who grew up with the Internet never experienced not having the Internet or price lists or magazines and waiting weeks or price lists to be mailed. Yeah, like if they're animals, sites, they, want, yeah. they want the picture that they want the picture now. Like if they say, hey, I'm yeah. interested in the snake, you know, send me a picture now. And I, I do my best. I'm actually usually pretty good at that because maybe not that day, but I try my best. But <laughs> And I don't mind. I don't mind them being demanding. It's like, cool, they're excited about it. I like that. But for some people, it's yeah. just like, you know, piss off. I got a, I got a light, you know. <laughs> I got a light. I got a light. They're yeah. like, no, 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 I, I, this is the internet. You can send it to me now. I want the photo now, you know. Yeah, but I'm not there. I'm not in front of the animal. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, you got to give me some time. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. So. Well, but, your remote yeah. camera with all your sensors at your facility or something, can't you, like, shut You're right. Stage and your robot yeah, right? pull the drawer open or something? Right. I don't know what they're I'll thinking. let my... Let my Roomba with a camera go quick. Take you mean, a picture of it go. and we'll get back yeah. to you. Yeah. You don't yeah. have a camera in the cage? You don't have a I'm camera sorry. in the cage, man? Like, you, good yeah. lord. Each cage, yeah. With its own, yeah. Each, each cage has its own IP address. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not a Wi-Fi enabled system. What the hell's wrong yeah. with you? 
I don't know. Apparently, I apologize. Yeah. So much Bluetooth, so, these snakes can't breed because of electromagnetic <laughs> fields. They're just like yeah. fried out. Or, or they so, breed better. Who knows? So yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know. we'll see. I, I guess I sort of apply that same type of thinking to you know. Again, I'm I'm specifically talking about carpet pythons right now, but like. I mean, I remember looking, I think it was on Kingsnake, and an albino carpet python was like, what, $100,000? Maybe that was even Hetz. Remember that, Owen? Yeah. I think think that number, the $100,000 number you have, I could be wrong. Like, I know what it means to me, so I can Mm. tell you. But I don't know if I ever saw any for a hundred grand. but maybe. But here's the deal. I went in in a little mini partnership with a couple friends, and we got a pair. Okay. Some of the first ones available. And yeah. I paid a hundred grand US for a pair. Well there you go. And that was several <laughs> that was that was not that was several people. Like it was a few of us that went in. Right. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. And then wow. and then that, that and everything was looking so good and then out of the blue there was they a guy in Europe secretly got some that nobody in the world knew about. The um I think it was I can't remember his last name, but he was in—he was—I think he was in Sweden—and he came out a year or two before everybody else, and he was the first to have hats, hats, and, and I think visuals as well for sale, and that kind of—that kind of started the the drop. Wow. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. But it was—it was—it was a good drop. I mean, you know, I—I had—you know—we made a lot. We made lots of hats, and hats sold really well. We made, and we slowly started making albinos, and they did sell. I mean, they're a beautiful yeah. snake. Yeah, they are. What, yeah. what are they? What are they now in the U.S.? What do they go for now? Uh, I don't breed albinos, Eric. <laughs> Just a, a regular. Well, I've only produced mixes, so I don't know. Yeah, maybe. well, that's kind of yeah. But uh, what? Three hundred like bucks each. Yeah, three hundred bucks. Yeah, probably something like mm-hmm. that. I know that's crazy. So I, I, I wish I'd written down what year we bought those. That's, that would be fun to know that because you could do a timeline on date of purchase and how long it took to drop. But things are different now. But back then it was. Uh, I don't know. It was just. I don't want to say it was more morph oriented. It was just, it was maybe it wasn't a stronger market. There's less people in it, but it was. I guess there was more money being put into projects. None of the bubble right. burst yet, you know. Right. And then, I always got the feeling like you know because at the time the ball python world was was hot, you know at that at that it was time and. I just kind of thought that maybe people thought that they could just apply it to whatever species that did. Like if a morph popped out of whatever species that you were into, I think the mindset was that it was just going to follow exactly what the ball python said. You're a hundred percent right on that. And here's, here's a friend and I came up with this term and I think it was more him. We were thinking the same thing, but he came up with the words and it was Ryan. And we, we were referring to a certain ball python morph as being the gold standard in reptile pricing. So mm-hmm. let's just call it a morph. So let's just call it morph A. So when morph A was worth ten thousand dollars, that literally affected the almost like a, almost literally like a currency would like a U.S. dollar would affect currencies around the world. It did. It affected all the reptile prices. And as that morph, it was one of the more major ball morphs. As that morph dropped down, it affected every morph reptile. It didn't matter what it was. Whether it was a blood python, a leopard gecko, a carpet, or a, you name it, it affected everything. Because right. if that is the pinnacle of a morph for a breed and quote quote to make money investment if that was this ball python morph and that was suddenly dropped in value it took a lot of other stuff with it wow really strange and yeah i don't know but it kind of makes sense though i mean let's be honest this whole reptile breeding thing is is, is, is pretty much a legalized money pyramid in a way i mean you can't argue because <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. 
No, yeah, you're no, you're right. Someone who's going to be competing with you, and you know, and, and whoever gets in on the top, and as you know, it's, it's seriously. Well, maybe it's not a pyramid scheme. That's not the right term, but pyramid economics or something like that. Mm-hmm. I guess would be the right term. Yeah. And that's just the nature of the beast, you know. Because people outside this industry, when, if I ever talk to them and say what I do, well, they go, "So you sell some of your nicest animals to your customers, so they can breed and compete with you in three years' time." And I say, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great. And they just scratch their head. And they go. And they're thinking, you know, they're kind of business-oriented maybe or something, and they're really thinking about it. And they go, how does that work? <laughs> you know. <laughs> well. And then I'm kind of like, yeah. I don't know. It just does. I don't know. <laughs> I was about to say, like, well, it works this way. But I'm like, wait, I, I don't know how it works. It's Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. Well, that's that's actually one of the things that I love most about carpet pythons is, and, you know, we'll talk about a whole bunch of different you know, variety, but, you know, that's one of the cool things about them. Even if you have, you know, uh, just jungle carpets, you could get, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. You could get crazy patterns, you know, one's going to be just like phenomenal color or yeah, you know, who knows something crazy mm-hmm. could pop out, but you know, in every clutch of carpets I've ever produced, there's always been this one that's like, where the hell did yep. that come from? <laughs> yeah. So, so, I think I think I know exactly what you mean. So if you're if you're going to breed uh, albinos of some even carpet maybe you know but let's say most snakes, the albino is an albino. It's an albino. There might be a little bit of a price range, but not much. But when you do a clutch of carpets or bread lie or something, those really nice ones because mm-hmm. I guess polymorphism is more at play. Absolutely, it's worth it, it's worth a lot more. Or you want to keep it back, or it's got something special. I agree. You, you don't. Yeah. No. Hundred percent. Yeah. So it sort of it sort of keeps you always wanting something that somebody else has produced, you know, at least that's how yes. I think. No, I agree because look at, look at the variation of all the carpet pythons we have. It's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I say mutts when I say that, right? Like even without mutts, there's tons of variation, but with, yes. within the mutt stuff, it even gets crazier again. You, you, you have yeah. the thing. And then also you can, you can, it almost seems like with carpet pythons, you can kind of focus in on it. Like Eric is, very much into his Papuans and he's got so many different flavors. It's like freaking Baskin Robbins and his freaking IJ rack. It's ridiculous, Yeah. but they're yeah. all IJs and it's like, holy yeah. crap. And that's him. And then, you know, it, it's like, I'm over here doing the coastals. They're both carpets, but the variation is ridiculous. And we'll, we'll, we'll never find two that look exactly alike. So no, right. I agree. even it's the and it's the same with all carpet species. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll lump bread lion and just say it's a carpet species. I know it's its own thing. Sure, we do. Yeah, it, we do it all the time. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree with you guys. It's just like there's always and hatching is so fun. Like that's yes. you know, it's like Christmas morning. I mean, I'm I'm not a young guy, but you know, every time eggs are hatching, you know, if, if you're always excited to see what could be in there. Yeah. <laughs> You work all year just to have eggs hatching, well, like for like two weeks. It's like you know that's the whole point. But yeah, that's awesome. So um, I'm sorry, I was I have a coughing fit. Um, sorry, let's die on the show. Jesus Christ! Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> maybe let's break into some of. So you have some like really crazy carpet pythons, and I think you know. I guess these are what you call diamond bread lie, but they have the stonewash gene in it. But there's yeah, that one so that's I, older. I, so, yeah. So oh, I, 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 no, no. I just want to make sure it's totally clear. So yeah. that is something that Jeff Favell started unknowingly. 
Okay. <laughs> and the reason, all right, out. The, the re, yeah, and no, I, I'm not disrespecting him in any way. We're buddies. I, I didn't mean like he had no idea what he's doing. Where I'm headed oh. with this is that we nobody knew that the bread livestock up here, I guess, was het. Oh. Because as far as I know, uh, you know, Mr. Stonewash, he kind of stumbled into it himself. He hatched some babies. They didn't look quite right. And he's, his eye said, that's something. I'm going to – and then he, you know, bred them back. And sure enough, out came Stonewash. At least that's as far as I, I remember reading about it. Yeah. Uh, but I think so it's also – not like he acquired was... them somewhere. They just, they just sort of serendipitously popped, popped up. up in his, yeah, in his – okay. So – yeah, I guess some of the bread lie he was working with made it up here, and chances are it was some of the ones I got in, or some other friends I knew got some in too. So, and it was, I guess it was Priceline or Lazic Line. I'm, you know, those are sort of the two terms vague, and I don't know if one was known for sure. I'm, I'm sure he would know which is which would have it. But so, I'm pretty sure Jeff got his bread lie from me, but I actually don't know. And whatever okay. bread lie he was using to make Jungle Diamond bread lie jags, sure enough, one of those animals was Het Stonewash. And that's wow. what we didn't know. It's just, uh, you know, because I've been talking to a few guys working with Stonewash, and some of them say that the Hets kind of show a bit of a marker, but not always. I don't know. It gets a bit complicated. Mm-hmm. So I think if you I think if you had a Het Stonewash, they're not always obvious. They can be more subtle to pick out. And if you didn't know to even think of trying to pick it out, you probably wouldn't know anything. So... And then I'd once see he right. with, and then once once he started mixing it with other with other carpet species, there's no way you could tell. So, mm-hmm. so uh, those the best animals you've seen me post, mm-hmm. and I tried to make it clear in the post, but but I'll make it clear here. The older ones that are probably like they probably look to be a year old, the really bright yellow ones. I did not produce those. Okay. They are my property. They are at my house, and I do own them. But I bought the guy who was making them. A friend, another friend of mine, bought some animals off Jeff, and he actually bought some older animals off Jeff because he really wanted to get into carpet breeding. And he's mm-hmm. the one that produced produced about three or four, maybe even five. And okay. Yeah, they're they're. I have them all. They're incredible. And uh, they're gorgeous. Yeah. So and I say he just bought. He literally bought like a jungle diamond jag. <laughs> sorry, a jungle diamond bread lie jag off Jeff. Maybe uh-huh. something to do with the future. Jeff's what he called a future line. And then he bought some big siblings, you know, Jag Sibs, right? They were Jungle mm-hmm. Diamond Breadline mixed, some females. You know, not, not adults, but like two-year-olds. And he bought that to start breeding. So he ended up having hats. I, I guess if, if they are for sure stonewash, I mean, it looks pretty like a cut. Like it, a dis- yeah, it looks like I'm, it. I'm sure it is, but I, I guess yeah. we don't know for sure yet. But it, I, I, think, I think that's correct. Anyway, uh, he bought those animals from Jeff had, or, and they, I guess they all ended up being hats. And so when he bred them, he hatched those. Wow. He didn't even know, he didn't know what he had. Anyway, he had a bit of a, a, it was, it was good for him. I think it was, uh, I mean, he's sad to see them go, but he had, he moved and had a little bit of a life change and stuff. So I actually bought, I, I joke with my friends. I bought, it sounds like a lot, but it wasn't, but I bought a hundred pounds of Morelia off him. <laughs> We're and the reason I know that is because the, ship, the, ship, the shipping bills we had to do the shipping over several days like several oh. days and it was a mixture of all kinds of stuff most, but all Morelia but in the end it was, it was close I'm pretty sure it was close to 100 pounds of Morelia wow, wow. there some adult carpets there was a bunch of chondros and stuff so wow those cool. are cool though I mean and, and I know that what you're talking about with the stonewash kind of being that you can't really tell the heads because it has popped up in a few places other than 
uh, the people who know for a fact that they had had Stonewash. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I'm it, not it, surprised because yeah, neither I, am I. Because uh, unless I'm wrong, because mm. and you know not everyone wants to disclose everything, and that's cool. I understand that, but I'm assuming that most of the bread lie we're all working with in North America are for the majority. Doug Price, Casey Lazic ones. Like, that's where, those are the two people, those are the two breeders that started the breadline thing, as far as I know. I'm sure there's new bloodlines that have come in since, but I think the Stonewash might have been in one of those two, and those are the ones that people would have had here and there. And if if someone like Nick or whoever else got some hats or whatever, then I'm sure other people could have possibly got one here or there, you know? Sure. Yeah. 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 So, no, you, so you, you, sorry, I just want to ask a question, if that's yeah. okay. You said there's other people that the stonewash has popped in. So have you, have you seen what their animals look like? Uh, well, they had that clutch <laughs> of, uh, they had that clutch where they were producing hypos and out pump, popped, uh, stonewash hypos. hypos. Yeah. Or, okay, yeah, gotcha. yeah. 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 So it was like, yeah, well, totally where did this that, come yeah. from? <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. there's, there's that. And I would imagine that there were certain people that were, just like you said, if if Stonewash is in the LASIK line and everybody's got LASIK line animals, I mean, who's to say it's not going to just crop up somewhere, and, you know, and uh, I know Eric has Stonewash and I have Stonewash, so it's like, it, so I'm going to mix it in with my LASIK stuff and I'm already just already compounding it in there. But yep. uh, let's just say if I, because I was going to make Hets this year, but all my bread life females are lasik line, so if I breed them in a stone wash, it pops out. I yep, won't be shocked. <laughs> like I will, yeah, I will not you, be surprised. Yeah. No, because that so. means yeah, yeah. I totally agree. I've never seen one. I know years ago I hatched a weird looking one that mm-hmm. might have been might because it had to have been. I think it was a hat. I didn't know at the time Stonewash didn't exist. I just hatched out a weird bread line. I, it was a male. I kept it back for a bunch of years, and I'm like, ah, screw this. It's just pointless. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Stupid me. But and 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 the reason I think, and that's why the whole Stonewash thing makes sense with Jeff Avells because he would have got his for me, and I, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I was one of the probably the first with bread lie up here breeding them. So you know, people in Canada they really wanted them. Yeah. Because they were a big, they were a big deal back in the day. Like in the in the late '90s, sort of midish late '90s. Like bread, man, that was like oh, I think they really started like eight or ten grand a pair or something stupid. Holy yeah. hell! There's yeah. only uh, there's only one carpet left. There's only one left. <laughs> there's <laughs> only right. one left like that. <laughs> but nobody, I don't. Fair enough, and people probably would pay a lot, a few people, but bread lie were special. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, well, they were they red. Pick, yeah, yeah, exactly. For the way they are, with no adulteration, no nothing, they are probably one of the best carpet pythons. I yeah. I have a show coming up on Saturday, and I'm going to bring one of my adult bread lie because I have a bunch of babies that I'm trying yep. to sell, and I'm just mm-hmm. going to display one of my big adult bread lie because they, they don't care. They can handle whatever temperatures are going on, and you know it's it's a big, impressive animal. I mean, you know, come on. Yeah, I think my, that uh, bring my big bread you know, The only thing that keeps them from becoming, you know, maybe the most popular of the carpet complex is the size. I think mm-hmm. if the yeah, size, but, if they didn't get quite yeah. as big as you know, because they they're probably yeah. the biggest in the complex, I would think. They I get think pretty so big. Too. The females can, yeah. Yeah, they can. 
Yeah. But the great yeah. thing about them is they, they tend to be relatively sorry they tend to be less aggressive than a lot of the other carpets I find myself. Oh, yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Hands down. Less likely to bite maybe once they're out. I mean, my males are pretty bitey because I don't handle them much <laughs> and I keep them on the thin side like I want them hungry and crude. Exactly. You know? yeah. That's just yeah. what I do. So yeah. you know, but yeah, if you had a big, oh, not overweight but a, a well-fed male, yeah, he'd be like puppy dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Great. you work you well I, I don't know if you still work with it but I I think um you're aware of it uh, uh, reduced pattern diamond what's your thoughts with that sort of being the same gene as the stone washed I I kind of think that they might be some you know like a spider and a jag type of deal like that kind of yeah, thing Yeah they, they could you, be I don't know there's probably a term for that but I know like St. Patrick or something whatever it is or some, yeah but I I agree that it it probably is they're very reminiscent of each other but here's the deal where the difference is though and I I could be wrong so I'm not trying to annoy people here but I don't know the inheritance so stonewash is simple recessive correct yeah. As of, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. That's pretty yeah. much... Okay. So, reduced pattern diamonds, I believe, is not. It's a polymorphism, as far as I'm concerned. So, you so, can, I don't... So, it's... With bre- like, if you breed a... Like, if you breed a stone wash to a normal diamond, you'll get them, but it's not dominant and you're not going to get a lot of them. Like, that's always why... Okay. At least as far as I'm concerned, that's why you always just get a few of them, because it tends to be more polymorphic. Maybe, huh. Maybe similar to the tiger gene kind of along that line okay all right and then um, because, i guess but but having said that i don't know very many people that have taken a pair of them bred them together and seen the results and that kind of stuff so and there was rumored to be a quote quote a super but it never managed to appear <laughs> yeah <laughs> we know how that goes right <laughs> yeah um, totally so okay cool so yeah that's a real cool product so what is your plans with the you know, so what do you call them? Diamond breadalized stone wash jags? Is that what's your plans? You know, them? my friend, my friend who I got them from, he, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to use that name or not. He calls them extreme jags. Okay. I kind of like oh, it, yeah, but I don't know okay. what I'm going to call it. But they are, you. you're right, they are jungle diamond breadalized, jungle diamond breadalized stone wash jags. <laughs> yeah, they kind of have a better name. Than that, I know. Yeah. Come on, man! Pull your ball python, uh, you know, side out of you, and come up with that. <laughs> right? No Crazy kidding. Name. I know. I know. So uh, uh, my plans with those are try and duplicate as nice a ones as he made. I've made some last year, like this. Sorry, 2018. I did make some, and again, I, I didn't even try. It was just breeding some of the animals he had that came from Jeff, and sure enough, some popped out. So I, but they're not as they're nice, but they're not as nice as the ones he made. So I want to I want to get those big enough and start breeding them and maybe even to each other or whatever I got to do. So is there a certain subspecies you think is going to turn like like with that one in particular like I keep staring at it it's on my computer as I'm talking to you and I'm staring at that bright yellow I think the black and then the it's like a I'm different gonna, shade gonna, of yellow. I don't know if, if if you can look at uh, Facebook while we chat or sorry Facebook yeah. Messenger I can I can send mm-hmm. you a picture right now. And this is kind of what I'm referring to. This is what I want to try and make more of these. And these are uh, these are pretty spectacular. You should have it any minute now. It's probably <laughs> thinking hard. Right. So 
yeah, that's my main thing is to make the damn thing. Yeah. Holy sort of... shit. <laughs> well, share with the class. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my yeah, no, god. No, I didn't. Again, I didn't make this. I'm, I'm being totally upfront with you guys. I did not hatch this animal. But oh my god. it is mine. It's at my house, and it's 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 mine now. So, yeah, and that Holy was from stuff shit. my buddy got from Jeff. I know. You know, oh, it's wow. funny that. It, it, it's funny, I'm going to take us down a little rabbit hole of my buddy Jeff Favell, is he and I started the Gamma Gene. Yeah, oh, really? I had that on the list to talk to you about that. Well, let's hit it. So I'll tell you exactly yeah. what happened. So, okay. Uh, I don't know the years. It's hard to remember, but I'll just say, I don't know, 2002 or three, I'm uh, around that time. I got a really nice jungle diamond jag from Precision in Germany. I kept it for myself for breeding. And it was a lot, back then, jags were a lot of money. So what? I didn't know what this thing cost me. It was expensive. <laughs> like, I might have, Sorry, honestly, I, I, might, I have, I might have actually paid two or 4000 US for it. Wow. Okay. I'm not even joking. Oh, jags were fortune when they first yeah. came out. Oh, yeah. It was, oh, yeah. It was insane. Um, so I got that from Precision. Meanwhile, mm. Jeff got this really beautiful female jungle diamond. Total unknown lineage, no idea about the percentages. I would say much higher jungle than diamond for sure. But it was the yellowest and the blackest jungle diamond. It was just a really wicked one. So we bred those two together. Okay. And we hatched we hatched this clutch. We split, Actually, okay, so Jeff sent his female over to my house. And I so technically, I did everything. But... It was Jeff's animal that he acquired on his own, and without that, that gamma would. So we made a clutch. We split it down the middle. He took his. I took mine. I sold some of okay. mine. I kept some of mine. I sold most of mine rather than kept. He kept quite a few of his, but he sold a couple. And the one he sold, I shipped for him, or it was a group of animals, down to, um, you know who I mean, um, the guy who started oh, the yeah. thing. I can't. Um, uh, what's his name? Help me out here. It's Moria Trophy Club. Why can't I think of his name? Clue. Yeah, yeah, John. Yeah. John Battaglia. Yeah. yeah, John Battaglia. John Battaglia. John, yeah, okay. So we sent, he sent it down to John, and uh, then John raised it up, and neither, nobody could believe how beautiful that animal came out. And that's what Jeff did the whole, or sorry, um, John did the whole gamma thing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that line is pretty potent. <laughs> you know, because. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I okay. sort of, you know, during that during that carpet python period, I was really caught in a tough place with space. Where I was, where I was, I didn't have a lot of space, and and the ball python thing was just, it was insane. Like right, throwing it just, you know. So I had to make decisions, and that was one of them. And I, I regret it, but you know, whatever. Can't always. You got to make room. Can't keep everything, and you got to make room for stuff. So yeah. So this project, I I, I sort of fell into. Because again, I didn't start this these extreme jags. My buddy did. I ended up acquiring them. But so I've really kind of boom got myself back in there again. You know. Hey man, that's awesome. <laughs> that's one <laughs> way yeah. of one hell of a way to get back in there. Because holy oh, shit, after the gamma thing. <laughs> I, no, no, <laughs> trust me, I learned my I learned my lesson after the gamma thing. I was like, Jesus, uh, Christ, I'm getting back. Just like yeah. not doing that again. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard though because you don't know when you hatch out some of this mixed. Well, any jags when you hatch them out, mm-hmm. you have an idea what are going to be the nice ones, but it's really hard to tell. And suddenly yeah. you're holding back like six or seven animals, and you're just like, "Fuck, I can't hold all them back. I got to sell some stuff. What do I sell? What do I keep?" It's really, it really gets you in a tough spot. Sure. Yeah. I know that but all I too guess well. It's a good place to be in, though. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure you do. 
Yeah. And that's just not true of Jags. It's true of all carpets, be it jungles or populins or whatever you have, right? Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. You let you let the one go, and then somebody online, like a year later, posts a picture of it, and you're like, "Damn it!" <laughs> like you know, <laughs> in the meantime, the one you kept is just taking a turn oh, left, and you're like, oh, "I hate you." So yeah, yeah it sucks. And that, <laughs> and and for that reason, and past lessons I've learned, which we just talked about, that's why I am my own best customer. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. And exactly. I, I sometimes, I sometimes. I, I sorry, I just want to say that, that sometimes mm. I think people actually hate me because I tend to keep more stuff than I sell. I mean like I I'm pretty pretty militant about keeping anything good. Like, you know, if you want the best of the best, I guess you don't come to me because I keep the best of the best. <laughs> silly, but you know what I mean? But I have to because it's it's my future. It's not that I'm greedy and I have to have everything, it's just that this is how I make money, this is how I make my living, so I can't afford right. to just it's worth my time to keep it. And even down with simple things like Brazilian rainbow boas. I had mm. a litter just last summer, and I've kept most of them. I keep, you know, just the nice ones. I keep putting stickers on and keeping them back. And I'm, I'm still, I mean, it was one just little, it was one 20-something litter of rainbows. But I'm still at like 13 holdbacks. Jesus. Wow. Which is, I, I don't think, I can't hold them all back. But I'm just, you know, I'm going to keep them as long until I'm bursting at the seams and caging. And, and i got to move them, and then I'll have to, okay, fine. Here's the ones I'm going to keep. Because, I, you know, I don't want to, with things like rainbows, you can't decide too early which ones to keep or sell. You'll regret it, regret it, regret it. Right. Yeah. No, no sure. I can, I can, I can get behind that. So that 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 was one. I, I'm I apologize for going back to ball pythons, but we could look at both. No, 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 no. That yeah. is one no, benefit fine. of some of those of some of the more sort of simplistic morphs and non-changing, like snakes that get ugly with age. Is right. You know when they hatch the good ones within a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But with so many other species, especially carpet pythons, and especially anything with jungle and diamond. But it's same true for rainbow boas and and lots of other you know you just don't know which ones to hold back. It's just yeah. it's a nightmare, you know. And it it would it would it would kill me to sell. I mean, some people you know there's guys out there they'd be happy to sell a customer an amazing animal like that, and they don't have it themselves, but they feel really good about supplying him with that. And I'm like, fuck that, I want that for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Forget that guy. Yeah, it's like yeah, I know. It's me. I did all the work. I'm not. I mean, you know. I sort of we go through that with. With the uh, the the IJs, it's like you know this year I produced some really nice striped ones, and everybody wants the really nice striped ones, and I'm like, yes, no, sorry, I'm man, not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, well, I, no. I, and that's a smart move. I mean, that's that is how that is how I, I totally I think that's a very smart move. If you have the space and the time, and you can hold some back and just keep holding the best ones, and then when some get a little muddy or whatever, not quite what you want, sell those. In the end, yeah, you'll end up with the best ones, and that's that's going to be your future breeding stock is that yeah yes you know i, I no, tell that no. to lots of people too who it doesn't matter what project you're getting to but when you acquire animals and then breed them that first generation everybody loves including myself we all love to sell them and get some money back and get new animals or whatever but that first generation that should be your breeding stock not what you bought right i that's yeah. the way i look at it because you've raised it it's your baby you're in full control since the day it hatched someone else hasn't done god knows what with it not right. to mention that it's tuned into your place, so it's probably exactly. going to breed way it's better. Raised in yourself, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I tell people that all. I had a friend who hatched out. Uh, I can't remember what some type of lizard, and I said, dude, you know, you, that was my first rule. I said when he was getting into these, I said, well, whatever you do, the first ones you breed, you, you got to keep back. And 
he, he totally agreed. But anyway, he hatches them out, and he's, you know, they're doing great. His pair's breeding away like, you know, some kind of porno movie or something. He's like, ah, no worries, I'll sell these. I've got lots more coming. He probably had yeah, eggs in right. the incubator. And then it just all, everything blew up. They stopped breeding, the eggs didn't right. hatch, and he, now he's out of them. He has no more of these lizards left. That's it, they're gone. And now he's like, oh, now he's trying to get more, and there's none around. He's just like, why didn't you keep them? He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So let that be a lesson to anybody who's listening to this who's who's breeding a really cool animal they really love. That first year they breed it, keep most of those babies back because if you don't, yeah. they'll bite you in the ass. Oh, God help any of you if I ever breed anything that, like, I truly love. Like, if you think anybody's getting rough scales when I get them, like, no, those are mine. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Eric, Eric wait a, can wait come a minute, look at bro. them. Like, no, no. they're mine. <laughs> I've given you so many animals towards those. And you we will man. talk about the second clutch, but <laughs> see, I see this is how I work with Owen Don. I just sort of like he'll come over, I'm like, I have two male stone washed. Here, just take this. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah. Smart move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just keep handing them over. Here, yeah. just take this. Oh, Jag then... Albino, Ocelot, here you go. Just yeah. take it. Yeah. <laughs> Because now when my white lips are spurring, he's like, you know who you're going to call when that happens, right? I'm like, son of a bitch. He's like, he's right. Yeah, he's no, placed himself I just perfectly. want the rough scales. That's it. <laughs> I don't want that yeah, other no, stuff. I, 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 I totally know both ends of that story of trying to ingratiate yourself to get something cool and the guy with the something maybe something cool. Because I've been on play both sides of it, too. Lots sure. of animals I always want, too. You know? well, I mean, like, like you said, teamer pythons. Like, I mean, yeah. I haven't. I haven't. I remember that. I don't think anyone's. I actually, I got a pair not that long ago. I actually helped a guy get some ba- some babies, some wild caught, like really tiny ones. Yeah. I ended up selling a pair uh, six or seven months ago, and I just it was like four years after I sold them to him, and I just scooped them right away. I said, I'm fucking getting these things. I don't care. They're so cool. You don't see I them very them. often. And no, they're amazing. And nobody breeds them now. Yeah. I realize they've been bred, but yes. I don't actually know anyone who's bred them because I'm I'm not really in you know I'm not a huge Indo Python guy per se but and I know they have been bred but it's they're not often bred and not by very many people and the guys who breed them they just sort of disappear you never really see big ads or anything about it you know what I mean Mm-mm. right yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah I'm I'm hopeful mine are paired right now but I don't know what they, they're doing are they doing anything are they showing any signs I, well they haven't killed each other <laughs> so you know and they're kind of <laughs> I don't I I have I've have not heard that teamer pythons do Neither that, have but I but I'm that's no usually expert. my that's my litmus yeah. test is like okay yeah. you haven't hurt each other so that's a plus um yeah. they're I they're they are both now deep blue and shed which is that kind of came out of left field so I don't know what that's about um how old and they and how big are yours my, I have, I have a few. I have two adults cool. that are probably close to about ten years old. They're about seven, eight feet long. They're big. Um, and then I have two juveniles um, that are probably about three years old that are probably about four foot long. And then I have yeah. one little guy that Eric gave me that sticks in his tube all the time. So I don't really know how long he is, but he's there. Yeah. No, <laughs> But yeah, uh, mine mine are probably I don't know maybe maybe six feet, mm. and they can eat they can eat a they probably could easily eat a large rat, but I'm I'm doing more mediums more frequently with mediums. Yeah, they're, they're definitely just, they're thinner just, body. Yeah. Yeah. So and I don't think 
ooh, I'm going to perjure myself on, on with recording material. <laughs> I, I don't think they have to be that big to breed, but I think age yeah. is is an issue. Like you I said, your say. adults are how big? You said your adults are maybe eight feet long or something. Yeah, they're they're long, and I got them I got them as adults. They were kind of dropped off with me, but they are they are big. They have big heads, and they're 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 blocky. I mean, they're just they're they're big animals, but they don't they're seem cool. like they're big animals. They're kind of like deceiving, where yeah, you don't no, really they, realize how long it is until you get them out. And like you're like, holy a, shit. Like, like carpet pythons. You look uh-huh. at a carpet python curled up in its tub, a female, and it's, to us it's no big deal. But you pull it out and you're like, Jesus Christ, this thing's huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, so. Uh, let's keep going with I'm going to uh, say carpet. silver savus because we're talking Indonesia. Yes. And you guys yes! mentioned silver savus. So yeah, man. You better do that. Someone's going to be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so fire away. What what's what were you was there something you're curious about or uh I'm I'm definitely curious about everything that happens with the silver savus because I always used to when they when they first emerged I would knock them because I'm like, Why the hell would you want a python that's gonna turn black? Like I don't give a crap if it's silver when it's a baby, if it turns jet black when it gets to be an adult. But then there's yeah. There's variation and they're there gorgeous <laughs> and it's yeah there is totally turn so, me around on those things. Yeah, they're well. First off, savu pythons are really. I've always been partial to savus, but mm-hmm. again, that was you know the the. I think I first I got a group that actually came. They didn't come from Casey, but they were acquired from Casey. It was like two point three or something like that. And I got them in the late eighties. Sorry, late nineties. Mm-hmm. And I was actually successful breeding them. But oh really? There was demand for them, but it wasn't really. I had a lot of problems with them. I mean, they were wild caught, obviously. So mm-hmm. the babies were brutal. Like they were a nightmare. And plus, this was a long time ago. I wasn't as proficient with babies as I am, or as I try to be now. So the babies were very problematic. I had a lot of trouble getting them established and eating. These ones here, this ones I bred this year, they were no problem at all. And mm-hmm. the demand wasn't really that up here. It wasn't really that great because there were still lots of wild ones coming in, and you know, and then you know, wild caught ones being what they are, they they just didn't acclimate to captivity. I was successful in breeding them a couple times, you know, like I think two females went two or th- two times over you know over three four years, but mm-hmm. yeah, slowly the adults just you know wild caught. It's so tough working with that stuff. But anyway. Yeah. At least, at least we have kept red stuff right now. So eventually I just got rid of them. I mean, the demand wasn't there. They were driving me crazy. And so I, you know, I, unfortunately I, I sold them and I'm always kind of regretted it, but you know, it's, uh, I have to be mercenary back to the running a business, you know? So anyway, mm-hmm. when I had a chance to get more, I jumped at it and they're so freaking cool. The captive, you know, the multi or several generation captive bred ones. They're nothing compared to what we worked with in the nineties. They're really yeah. cool snakes. They, they can they be a little really bitey, are. but, but, I don't handle mine much. If someone down the road, when maybe when the prices are lower and they might be more pet oriented, if you know, as a smaller python, I think they'd make a really nice pet. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the color goes, you're right; they're all variable. So I have two males; both are silver savus. Um, I, I guess you know. I'm, I'm sure you know, but I'll say it anyway. So the Mark and Kim Bell of Reptile Industries, I believe, is what they're called in Florida. They're mm-hmm. the ones who started it. I, I don't know how. The, I don't know if they started theirs with wild caught imports. I'm assuming they probably did, and they're the one that started that whole thing. And they're breeding them to this day. I have a, a friend of mine knows them, and he spoke to them not that long ago, and they have produced them recently. And um, that's awesome. And you're right. They're highly they're highly variable. All mine came out like really really pink and silver looking with kind of black mm-hmm. blotches. They're really cool. 
Um, but I guess I'm gonna, you know, the ones I hold back, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to see what the change is like. I know in the ones I got, they were sub adults, and the male I had, they do darken with age. Yeah. But not all of them. So on the ones I have, I guess three quarters did kind of, or half of them darkened, one's pretty cool, and one stayed amazing. It's like peppered. It's like... That's so you know, cool. Black and gray all over. And that yeah. was one of my breeder males. And then the other male I have, but then the other male I have, he's almost more black than a traditional Savu python. Like, he's he's really all black. It's really cool. Yeah, but I, the white I can dig all the different flavors. That's fine. It's mm-hmm. like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I would love to open it up and be like, you're darker than this guy. This guy yeah. looks more silver. Like, that's awesome. I can... Totally yeah. get behind that, and they they definitely are like a hundred times different the traditional savvies compared to the silvers. Because when I hatched normal savvies, they hatched out kind of a burnt orange, with like a pink pale head, if I remember correctly. But I know the body color was a burnt orange, and these they they came out like almost like silver white headed with almost like a silvery pink body. Like it's totally different. They look like earthworms. The ones I hatched this yeah. year, yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy. So. So it, they went. It they went a, very. They went very late for me, by the way. Which a couple of my really? one of my buddies who's who's I don't know if he's working with them, but he knew that he goes. Oh yeah, they're they're known to go late in the sun. They go later in summer, and mine did that for sure, which really surprised me because when I had the wild caught ones, when I bred them back in the nine late nineties, they were the first to go for me. I had them breeding in like January, February, and they would have laid by probably April. That's insane. The, the, the multi-generation silver captives that I have, mm. they've been with me a long time. They uh, they didn't really pick up breeding till spring, even late spring, and they didn't lay till late summer. Might even been fall. I'd have to go double-check. So, so, yeah, it's strange how that can work. So You think the wild-caught ones would, I don't know, be, I'm not too sure. It just, to me, it was weird. Yeah. I mean, so now the, 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 the gene inheritance on that, is it a recessive? Yes, it's recessive. Okay. Yep. But having said that, I'm mm-hmm. only going on what the bells have provided with people. I bred visual to visual, and every baby was a visual. So that still doesn't, nice. you know, my breeding doesn't prove what's going on, but that's what the bells have maintained. And I'm sure it's true. But okay. who knows? I haven't seen a hat or, you know, I've never made hats. I actually don't even have, I, I just have some silver savvies. I don't even have any normals. Not that I don't <laughs> want any. It's just a matter of space. Mm-hmm. It's usually how it goes. I have a pair of normals, and I think, Eric, you got one still kicking around, right? Yeah. 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 Normal. So. There seems to be a, a bit of a, a bit of a new demand for them, or they're, they're kind of a, one of the... Yeah. Sort of, they're kind of a, the new hot snake when, you know, sort of five years ago, no one really gave a shit about them, and now they're suddenly, like, everyone's in them again. <laughs> Actually, so. there was somebody posted it up on Facebook this week saying, is there anybody who breeds Savu pythons in the United States? And every link that was put in there was to somebody who at one point did, but everybody's <laughs> out of stock. Nobody has yeah. it. This isn't there. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Uh, the only guy we know, our friend Lon, he breeds Savu pythons, and uh, you know, I might contact Lon to get some more. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> I might call him later. But, you know, the nice thing about the small stuff is is they yeah. they just make it's just overall they make better captives. It's they're easier to hug. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, yeah. that's what I love about some of the small stuff. And Savus, yeah. they're cool. They have a little more. I don't know. There's something about them. Okay. Yeah, they're they're. they're 
They're they're cool. They're fiery. They're feisty. They're, they are. Yeah, they have a bit yeah. of attitude. And the eyes. The eyes are what I love. I the love eyes. the eyes. Yeah. 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 Talk about <laughs> Savu's all night. I'm good. <laughs> talk about more liasses. <laughs> you know, that's all I want. <laughs> oh, I know. Just so many things. Uh... Yep. So yeah. So I guess we'll we'll stay on the. Uh... Indonesian type of kick. Uh, <laughs> sure. Um, what about ring pythons? Like, so I know you have that one that you had on Facebook, and you called it the smoke pattern one. Where my goodness. Yeah, I actually I got that from my I got that from from some friends in Germany. They call them smoked. I think I think the Europeans are and some of my some of my ring python stock. It's USA stock and and European stock. So there seems to be a bit of a difference. I think I think the. Uh, um, more extreme aberrant stuff is more common in Europe than it is in the U.S. Okay. So I think to the Europeans, they're more used to seeing some of that stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know too much about this stuff. I guess it's all, again, it's pretty sure it's all polymorphism. But if if you do have an aberrant animal, it definitely passes that on. So yeah, I've heard that. I, I don't, I, I, I get a little confused, but maybe one day I'll clear it up because there's more than one type of, of aberrancy. Mm-hmm. So okay. you have you have your typical ring python, which is, let's just say 50-50, orange-black, orange-black, all the way down. Then you have some that are mostly orange with a bit of black. And instead right. of banding, they have kind of polka dots and marbling. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then you have some that are so orange and so little black that they're almost like, orange with black polka dots on the side kind of and like an orange stripe right. on their back. Like the reverse. And then you get yeah. into the world then you get into the world of this quote quote smoked ones and they range all over the place from like I even hatched a almost a solid black one. I sold that to a good friend of mine. And wow. uh, he says it's still black. Yeah, it's it's it was so and I have I'm raising up some of these really dark smoked ones, so I don't know what my goal is to make a white lip a ring python looking like a white lip. <laughs> I'm not where I'm going with this. Right. <laughs> An even meaner white lip python or something? Yeah, I'm let's do sure, that. You know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So maybe maybe it's kind of not going to the best direction. But I, I, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of neat. The smoke thing's pretty cool. Yeah. No, it is very cool. I mean, especially yeah. if you can get smoked right next to, you know, the the classic and right next to the ones that are almost totally. all orange. I, like, I it's do. Cool I to do. Have I have, like... I do. I have like in my clutch I had last year. There's probably like I don't know. I could probably classify them up as four distinct looks. That's awesome. That's yeah. cool. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, they're they're stuff. a neat snake. They're uh, they're tricky to get started. This year's babies, or sorry, the 2018s. For some reason, it was really easy. It was just there was no problem. But generally speaking, they can be a pain in the ass to get started. They're pretty little too. Like, yeah, probably. You know, I, I've never bred corn snakes, which. I think they're smaller than a baby corn snake. I'm pretty sure they are. I'd say they're yeah. close because I've had baby rings and I've had baby corns. Okay, so and they're both the same, do you think? Yeah, yeah you're not, shocked not... with how tiny those baby rings are. I mean, yeah. they're teeny. Yeah. yeah, those eggs are just minute. They're just tiny little things. So. Yeah. yeah Which is so weird because I've another... seen some massive ring pythons, like big, like almost yeah. blood python kind of big and it's like I, I don't dear god think they, <laughs> yeah i don't think that's i shouldn't say that i don't believe that's very normal though like I'm, yeah. i guess what i'm trying to say is they probably don't need to be that big no. that's probably back to an no, artifact, I would agree. artifact artifact of captivity mm-hmm. where 
they're just, you know, not much exercise, food all the time, and probably makes them that big. But I don't know. I mean, there's not really much, ah, to be honest, I don't know any field work really done on them, other than that O'Shea book. He had a little bit of stuff on there, but there's not really much info on them. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing that I was told where they find them. Um, uh, I think Ryan told me this, that um, in the wild, ring pythons are commonly found where the villagers have their garbage heaps. And everyone's thinking, oh, rats or something, but I don't think it's to do with that. It could be. But because we're talking third world, uh-huh. Bismarck Archipelago, you know, it's pretty much still fairly primitive as far as food. And where I'm headed with this coconut, they still, thank God, they that's their own product, and they eat it. So they eat a ton of coconuts. So all their coconut excess, like the shells, the husk, all that stuff gets piled into the local village heap. And I mm-hmm. guess over time, it probably has all kinds of animals they want to eat living in there, be it rodents or lizards. And on top of that, it's a great place for them to hide in. Yeah. So that was kind of funny, you know. So if you happen to be that part of the world, which probably is very unlikely, and you want to try to find <laughs> one, go to a local vi- I, Apparently, you go to a local tribal village in, uh, or village the tribe has and find out where the, the garbage is and go can you take me to your garbage? Skulls, <laughs> yeah. their bones, or God knows whatever else. You know, people yeah. or whatever. So, do you Not... feel like you have them kind of dialed in now, as far as breeding goes? Like, because they can be tricky, no. right? Or no? No. Yeah, very. <laughs> you know, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Mm. This applies to everything. Honestly, there there's sort of two scenarios to this, but basically, I'm gonna say. There is no animal that I, don't, I, that I have dialed because I get surprised every year. Right. And even simple things like Amazon tree boas that everybody thinks are so simple to breed. And, you know, if you have a pair and you just sort of have them casually, they probably are easy to breed. But when you go get a couple dozen and you want to produce X number of litters a year and you want to breed this one to that one and produce these color and that color, it just it totally – I've had a very – very humbling experience with Amazon tree bows. So oh, really? I should actually <laughs> I should actually head into this direction and and declare to the world that my Facebook page probably makes my life look a lot rosier and amazing than it is. And <laughs> it's not that I, I hide my negative experiences from the people. Right. I'm happy to share them here. It's just that for me uh, it's just it's better for my own brain and my own <laughs> sanity that I don't go on about my negatives. I don't want to go back a year from now and like, you know, read this Facebook page when I'm on my page about, oh man, that clutch is fucked up on me. Oh God, you know. Right. I just, I, you know, out of sight, out of mind, I just got to try and keep going. You know, I learn from it, but I want to keep going. So, I mean, I, I would say I have, I can have troubles with a mo- mo- lot of animals and, and Amazon tree boas was a big learning curve for me and I'm still learning. I think okay. this year, 2018 was pretty good, but the year before, they all slug. I think I had three, four slugouts and one good litter. Oh, like, what the hell? Like that's just Damn sad. It. And I should have had more litters too. And then the year before that was semi-successful. It was probably half and half. So this year, 2018, was much better. So I'm getting better, but it's and another one too is blue tongue skinks. The fuck, man, those things are not easy. <laughs> well, I've, I've heard I've, that they're difficult to breed and keep, and that they can, you know. So sometimes they can even hurt each other with those things. They can. I, maybe we'll. That'll be our. Well, I, that'll I, be the I next apologize one. Yeah. if we're zigzagging all no, over. No, no, we're good, go dude. Blue, we can go into blue tongues. So we will. 
So I, you know, I don't want to say too much that I haven't had them hurt and eat each other because I haven't. I'm running around for wood right now. Give me wood. Give me wood. <laughs> Touch wood. Um, I've, I mean, you you have to have some common sense, right? So right. if 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 I put a pair together or two together to breed, I'm not going upstairs to make a bologna sandwich and you know watch TV for, for, for an hour. You know? I'm, I'm not suggesting people would do that, but I'm just I'm not that casual about it. So you know you okay this, this it's not so simple, but you should know within five you know two to three four five minutes what's going to happen. Right. And if they're you've missexed them or they're not compatible or the female's not ready or the male's just being an asshole, then you know to just separate them. It's just that simple. Just separate them. And yes, the males, sometimes the males will bite the females to start the breeding thing. The female will turn and bite the male. And I have had them like lock jaws together. And yeah. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, and you can just see the pressure on the eyeballs building and you're just like, okay, stay calm. This happens in the wild. They know what they're doing. They'll figure it out. You, know? Cause you can imagine oh, how if someone spazzed out and intervened and starts grabbing them and trying to pull them apart and freaking yeah. and screaming. You know, you just, it'd be a disaster. But, yeah. you know, if if you God, I'm sound like Caesar Milan, but you know, if you're calm, they tend to be calm, and then you just keep an eye on them, and then they'll, you know, be ready that as soon as they let go or one lets go to pull it away, and then okay, this isn't going to work today. Try another day. But yes, blue tongue skinks are not—they're not easy to breed, and that's been another another big learning curve for me. I'm not—I—I've always tried different lizard projects. Like, uh-huh. I'm like you guys. I'm assuming we all love most reptiles. There's very few reptiles we can look at and not go, "That's so cool." I mean. I love yeah. green anoles. Do I have any in my collection? No. Do I have any no. exotic anoles? No. But <laughs> yeah. even just the Carolina green anole is so cool. I mean, that's what we grew up with as kids in the 80s, you know, as pets. They're just, they're dewlap, they're bright green, they catch bugs, you know, they stick to all kinds of surfaces. They're really neat. But that it's just, yeah, it's just that there's always a learning curve. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how, what reptile it is, it can always humble you. But I've always wanted a lizard, and I had all lizards as kids. But being a snake breeder, trying to get back into lizards and bug feeding, it always it just, <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> forget that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you guys. It just and I said to myself, I love lizards. If I really want lizards, just get something cool for a pet. You know, a couple cool ones in a terrarium, and you know, hopefully you can do something other than crickets for them. But when the blue tongue <laughs> skink thing came around, I was like, oh my god, this hmm. is my chance. I can actually keep. A lizard in, like, I don't have to have a four-foot enclosure for each animal. You can actually keep them in something simple like a bin, and they actually thrive. I was like, no, this can't be true. And, you know, it's interesting. When I first when I first had blue tongues, now, okay, I should start by saying, I'm not saying it's bad to keep them in a four-foot cage. I'm not saying it's better to put them in a Rubbermaid. Both have their minuses and pluses, and there's probably more pluses in a cage. But, again, right. we fall back to, you know, I'm – you know, I'm a professional breeder, a commercial breeder. You know, I have to, in order to keep the animals in the space, I don't have a choice. But we'll talk about outdoor enclosures because we'll get to that. But when I was first getting to blue tongues, I was totally green. I knew fucking nothing. I didn't know a northern from an IJ from a – I was just, like, running high. I'm going to get a melanistic one day, you know, all excited. Right? <laughs> right? Dream, on. Dream on, buddy. You're going to be waiting a while. Anyway, so I uh, – I set them up in four-foot cages, and what I actually ended up getting was some, I didn't know at the time, but was some uh, marukis, which was a really cool Indonesian species of blue tongue. They're actually the biggest blue tongue. The really? biggest, like longest. They're, they're awesome, big beefy things. Anyway, so I had a bunch, and every time I came into this one room where I had all these cages, they would all be out basking. And as soon as they saw me come into the room, every skink would panic to its hide box. <laughs> and I was oh, just wow. like, 
Like, right. I was stressed out walking into one of my reptile rooms. Like, that's yeah, not the right. way it should be. I was just like, this no. is fucked. This cannot be this way. I refuse to have this. So I, 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 I did. I went on all the forums, and I kept digging and digging and just going through years and years and years of posts on, like, from like 10 years ago. Finally, I found some hardened old, older breeders who don't do it anymore, and they were like, dude, the best way to do these things is in a, is in a rack system. It's just they're, they're more comfortable. They're, not, right. they're way less stressed out. Now, I have yeah. to admit that maybe Indo species are going to be more sensitive than a northern because they've been so many multi-generational captive bred. But they right. still can get freaked out. Like when I have them outside in a big open cage, they're freaked out. But anyway, so when I, when I, was, when I did this, and I researched way to, I put them all in racks and just like overnight they changed. I could open the bins, they'd come out, eat out of my hand. Everything was cool. That's awesome. I don't know. Yeah. So, and away I go. So that was the beauty of, of, of the blue tongue skinks to me was a snake keeper could keep a lizard. And yet you were keeping it more like a Gila monster or a sort of a python with stubby legs than a <laughs> lizard, a quote, quote lizard. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. No. Well, let's admit that the, you know, blue tongue skinks are pretty much the carpet python lizard. I mean, they kind of <laughs> like where, you know, I mean, they're yep. found like yep. where you find carpet pythons and absolutely their color almost the color matches, matches where they come from. Yeah, the pythons, where they yeah, come absolutely. from. Yeah. yeah, no, totally. You're right. hundred percent. Right. They're, they're awesome. Like I, I, I'm totally, I went from like five skinks to a lot of skinks in a, just a few years. Like I have, I have a pretty big collection. I probably have more skinks. I have more skinks than carpet pythons. I have more skinks than anything right now. Wow. And how about that? Is it all is so, it all northerns or is it a bunch of so different So I have types? I have I do have some things. So I have okay. a few skink projects I'm going to remain coy on. Okay. Not because of any legalities <laughs> or anything weird. Not nothing to do with that. It's just that I'm a little crazy and I'm a little I, I try not to make my own bad luck. And <laughs> let's be honest, and I like to do this, too, when I get new animals and stuff, but any asshole can buy an animal. Like, if you have the right. money, you can buy whatever you want. I, I don't mean endangered. I'm not talking rhinos. But, like, any asshole can go and buy a really cool rare reptile and then throw it up on right. Facebook and woohoo, you know. Mm-hmm. Great. And trust me, I would love to do that. But that's not why I do this. I love breeding animals. Sure, I love keeping yeah. them, but to me, I love breeding them. So that's – I want to try and breed some of the, these other species first before I, like, run around. I mean, you know, I've got some good close friends that I talk to brag about it all the time, but I try and keep it under wraps until, again, until I breed it, because that, the proof is in right. the pudding, right? And that is yeah. what it is, is breeding them. So, primarily, northerns, yes, that is the main one I want to produce, because there's just such a demand for them. And I think, I'm, I'm not predicting they're going to be the best pet reptile, but they should be. Like, Fuck every pet store having ball pythons and corn snakes and hundred and milk snakes. Like that's pathetic. <laughs> every fucking right. pet store should have blue tongue yeah. skinks mandatory as their number one pet reptile. No, maybe not over a leopard gecko for size, but for for ease of feeding and it, it just blows everything. It, they do better than tortoises. Cause you, we've all seen how. To- I mean, okay, in the in the U.S. where it's warm, it's a little different down there. A lot of people can keep tortoises outside. But right. I think you guys probably would agree with me. A lot of the tortoises that go into the quote quote pet trade, which is I don't mean the reptile trade, but the pet trade with people right. you know, the things that they don't get treated very well. I mean they their shells are all fucked up and yeah. they, you know what I mean. It's just not a, a blue not, tongue skink, I mean, you know, give it a three foot cage and don't be an idiot and you you know, things leave dog food and insects and you know, you can feed feed them 
chopped and minced meat. I mean, it's just oh, <laughs> you can feed them mice. You can feed them fruits and veggies. You can har- you know grow your own roaches or bugs for them. There's so many things you can do for them. So the snake nuts. slugs. Well, yeah, snails, yeah, slugs, <laughs> absolutely. Earthworms, they yeah. they'll love earthworms too. So, and I guess they do have the potential to have a good bite. I've been, I've gotten some good bites from them. So there is that. But again, it's not unless it's a really tiny child on one finger. It's it's not going to be. It's not going it, to. It's not that big a deal. Right. But I I still try and wrap my head around how they're not the number one pet reptile in every wholesale and every store. That's something they keep. You know, because you go to any any of these wholesalers who supply all the stores, there's certain animals they always have in stock. And it's always fat yeah, or leopard geckos and or fat tails. It's going to be various colubrids, mostly corn snakes, because you know, they make good pets. I will admit that. And then, right. you know, then you get to some of the other stuff like, you know, ball pythons and boas and then maybe some carpet pythons and something else. And it's just like... I'm not against boas and ball pythons being pets. I think they're great, but number one or way up high on that list should be a blue tongue skink if anyone's looking to get their kid or, or their family wants a pet reptile. It's just the best one. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, they do tend, you know, I was, I'm kind of glad that I didn't see one when I went to Australia this past year. Because <laughs> everything that I kind of saw in Australia, I'm like, wow, I really, really, that would be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. I know. You know? I know. But uh, oh, the northern yeah, ones I mean, that it, you, you know, have. It's like a kid in a candy store when you see this stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah. of course. I'm the worst for that. Like, I can go to anybody's house and, or whatever and see any animal. Like, there's not very many reptile shows where I am. But once in a while, there's one. And, I mean, someone will have, I don't know, diamondback terrapins or, you know, whatever it is. And I'm just no, like, so pretty. how can I fit those somewhere, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's right. the problem. That's I have dangerous. a friend up here breeding Fiji iguanas. Like, no, one. It's, dude, it wouldn't cost on. you that much. Yeah, no, that we we get them from Europe. It's 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 not that oh. big a deal. We're not, your, your government's it's weird, man. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's another it thing. Is. Your government know, sucks. Yeah, yeah. It's not my number one <laughs> reptile to own, but I you know I haven't not seen one in the flesh, and I know if I did a nice blue and green one, I'd just be like, okay, how much? Here's the money. <laughs> you know, it's so cool. That's so, so cool. I, I'm sympathetic to your plight on that, but um. Yeah, no, I, I, blue tongue skinks are—they're uh, pretty interesting. And again, it's—they're—they're it's, they're not a lizard. From anyway, from from my mindset, for me, they're not a lizard. They're more like—they're more like a ball python. They really are almost more like a ball python in a way. But breeding That's them, but yep. breeding them, and, and getting back to that—that that is the tricky part. They're more like dogs. And what I mean by that is that you don't. It's like putting a pair of dogs together to breed. You know, you're all, oh, my God, has he got his penis inside the dog's vagina? You know, and here I am. Has he got his right. penis inside her cloaca? I can't quite yeah. see and make sure they're not hurting each other. And and then i got to clean them up when they're done and make sure everything's going back where it's supposed to go back. You know what I mean? And like it's, and they're only together for – it just depends how patient I am. But anywhere from 2 to 15 minutes, usually after 15 minutes, I'm just like, forget it. He's not going to get it done. Wow. That's not for all of them. I'm, I'm – Specifically talking about northerns. Okay. Pretty quick. So I also do work with easterns. Okay. Which kind of similar to a northern, it's just more southern, more eastern. So that's another one I work with. But mostly it's northerns. That's the that's probably my Now is there like a specific line you work with or is it uh the color phase or or they all look like that crazy orange? No, there's and... uh, so it's gets a little confusing it's it's there's a lot of variety so um generally speaking i would say most of the blue tongue skink there's not very many morphs for northerns there there are a right. few uh but in like 
outside of Australia, there's not very many, and and but there are some. So let's just forget about the Australian ones because they have a lot of recessive, and I think they're all. Oh, I got to be careful. I think they're all sim- they're all simple recessive. All the stuff in in Australia. So outside okay. of Australia, there's really no morphs except for you have lines that tend to throw certain looks like. There's a Turner white line, and so I'm not super proficient in this, but I guess it, it tends to be polymorphic, and so you can't just breed whites to white and get all whites. It's And again, they don't look white when they're born. They get white with age. It's really confusing. And then there's caramels. There's a couple different kinds of caramels. And I think, I don't know what the caramels are. I don't even know if anybody knows for sure. I think people have said recessive, and then other people argue. I think the caramels might be recessive, but there's a couple different lines. But there's really not, everything else is is line bred, and so okay. the major ones are the sunsets, which was started by oh, I'm not going to remember his name. It was a guy in California. Damn it, he was kind of the original. He was kind of like the grandfather of the northern blue tongue skink thing. I can't remember his mm. name, but I think his place burnt down. It was total shame. Years and years and years ago, That's and so sucks. yeah. So I, I apologize. Mr. Skink Starter. I should know your name. <laughs> anyway, uh, he started some sunsets and sunrises, which was lines that throw really high orange and yellow. And people got them, and they've they've continued to breed them. And that that stuff is, I don't. I guess we'll call it polymorphism, but it's pretty freaking strong for polymorphism. So and uh, and then I got some of my own out of Sweden from a guy who just made the most amazing northerns I think there is one of the best lines out there and again it's not a true morph I sell it as a line like I call it the Swedish line because that's where it came from a guy in Sweden and it's super strong has wicked oranges reds yellows golds it varies all over the place and uh, so that's kind of the bulk of it there's no real simple recessive stuff yet but there are guys in the USA working with some of the melanistics, although they're Easterns, and white too. There's, there's, I think there's one breeder in the US that has white Northerns. That's cool. Oh, and they're, wow. they, they're, they're simple recessive, and they're Northern, and they are white, and the babies are born white. Oh, so there's no color changes, the just flat out none. Well, a little bit. The babies will come out pinky white with a bit of mm. cinnamon copper bands, and then over mm. time they just slowly go more white, and some go more of a uh, um, like uh, ivory, some go kind of pure white. You know, there's kind of a range in there they go. But those are called northern whites. And I believe it's Steve Rusis had those on his website for quite a while now. I think I'm pretty sure he's breeding those now. That's cool. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's. Yeah. No, it's cool. But the, right now, I, th- I think the biggest market is just your generic northern for the pet trade. That's there's just so much demand. Yeah. yeah I, I can see it being cyclical like everything else, supply and demand, right? Like if a ton of breeders make a ton of them, that could change things. The <laughs> yeah, overseas, right? <laughs> the overseas demand is always going to be strong for them too. Okay, okay, so there's a lot of them that are like leaving, or do you find a lot of them just selling around? Both. You. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, both. Cool. I tend, I, I think most of you know, I, most of my business is set up for export mm. because nothing against my own country of Canada or the people. It's just that I did not want to be financially, my future financial beholden to one country. I was just like, there's no freaking way. Because the market's not here for that. Cause there's just no right. For right. me personally, I couldn't make a living. So, right. like Something like, like a lot of the weird stuff I breed, I sell some up here, but not the bulk of it. There's yeah. no way. 
And I, I kind of, I don't know, I kind of got off on the export thing. I've made some good friends and contacts, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, that must be exciting. The, the. Uh, oh yeah, no, I'm we looking have at... like twenty grand worth of animals in an air hole, airplane hole, and you're waiting <laughs> oh, yeah, forty-eight hours for it to arrive, and you've got like two, shit. three stops yeah. to make. Yeah. Well, you just sucked all the glamour right out of it, man. Yeah, it's yeah. on now. Yeah. <laughs> Here, every orifice is so puckered up, waiting for that yeah. the customer to oh. get the animals. You're just like, yeah, oh. No. I don't like They're it anymore. Kidding. Yeah, it's yeah. not happening. <laughs> no, I, I'm being I'm being a bit dramatic, but it, it I tend to be a little uh, kind of on the edge anyway. So stuff like that, I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit neurotic. But you know, I I want to be because I want the best experience for my animals. I don't want them to suffer. You know what I mean? Or any no, death issues, injuries, or anything. And I I just I'm crazy that way. I get right. nervous shipping an animal two states away. I mean, and oh, it's I do just too. like I do too. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, you know, I'm it's with fine. you. I'm with you. Because, you know, you know, like, um, you had Ian on a couple of weeks ago, and I was listening mm-hmm. to that, and he said, you know, once you hand that off to them, and he's right, you know, once you hand that box off to whoever is the carrier agent, be it a courier, an airline, or a friend driving it for you, whatever, you know, it's out of your hands, it's out of your hands, you know, and uh, my rule of thumb for me personally in my business is I guarantee live arrival, that's what I do. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter where you are in the world. If, if I agree to sh- if I agree to ship with the, cur- the existing weather conditions and to the place, I guarantee, and I'm willing to ship, I guarantee live arrival. So I'm on the hook. You know, something yeah. like, someone fucks up or does something stupid, I'm on the hook. Yeah. So yeah. Which is nerve wracking. <laughs> Terrifying. It can be. You kind of get used to it over a while, but yeah, it, it's it's frustrating. So. um I'm just going to back up for a second, but the, you know, no, I'm just looking at that picture that you had on your Facebook and I guess we can segue into the outside cage system that you got for the blue. Yeah, tongue, but that's perfect. Yeah. That mm-hmm. high black with crazy orange saddles, I guess you would call them. Yeah. Is that just, that what one, is that? It's, just the, one, that, it's well, the one, yeah, it's, 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 it's in one of the outdoor cages, right? Yes. Yes, that if I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm thinking the. It doesn't matter any of the ones I posted. Yeah, those are, those are the Swedish line I was telling you about. So I, I bought. Oh, okay. It's a very complicated, very complicated. I had a, a, a customer in Europe who helped me get them, but he wasn't actually in Sweden. He had to go get them, and I'd done him a favor. So this was the favor he was doing for me. And <laughs> it was like I almost didn't. I think they arrived at Christmas. I'd paid for them in like the summer, and it was just it wasn't anybody's fault. It was just a very complicated deal. Okay. Um, it's not always straightforward dealing, no. you know, in other countries, and not just because of the obvious things, but even things like, my God, he must have paid, like he charged me, and I don't, I don't blame him. That was the agreement. But the the tolls to get to Sweden from where he was, like the bridge tolls, the fa- oh, it was just insane. It was just like uh, he kept, it was just hilarious. Oh, so geez. anyway, I got them. In, I got them in the end, and uh, yeah, I was very lucky. It's a really cool line of animals. Really, really cool. They're pretty. I mean, that's that's yeah, that, really cool that's, looking. That's, that's that's a nice animal. That is not your bog standard normal blue. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but in the future, you know, it might be because we're all trying to breed for nicer animals, and you know, over time, yeah. things change, prices drop. So you know, who knows? Maybe in the future, those will be what you'll see in pet stores in ten years from now. That's the funny thing, because, like, we were talking about with carpet pythons, like, I was going through my pictures of my first couple carpets, and I had a, what was called a tri-stripe, and nowadays, no one, like, no (laughs) one would give a crap about that thing, 
But at the time, I'm like, I paid like $400 for her because she had a stripe and there were no coastal morphs. This is before I Jag. Know. Like, I know. you well, know. Well, look at all the morphs that, like, I remember yeah. this morph or that morph when I first got it. Like, it was just, okay, you want it? Okay, this is going to make you guys, I guarantee you guys better have puke bags or buckets ready because this is going to make okay. you all. <laughs> all right. This is going to be great. It really is. It really okay. is. You're, just, you're actually going to hang up the phone, but hopefully okay. I'm kind <laughs> enough to share this hilarious story alone. So back in the ball python days, the hottest snake that was becoming affordable, around 10, 12 grand a pop, was a bumblebee ball python, which is a spider pastel. <laughs> okay. okay. And I had in my possession, because I worked a deal with a buddy overseas, um, actually he it was another buddy that imported them, but he he did it for me. I had a, several pairs of baby bull and I. Oh, wow. You guys, oh. I can tell the silence. It's like, oh, we know where this is going. Oh, no. Oh, no. So oh, no. I had a, there was a, I was a, his customer, he was my customer, you know, we swapped animals. Uh, he had a really nice male bumblebee. And he said, oh. I really want a pair of bowling and I will you do the trick? Oh, no. <laughs> and I, I had to, I, I had to like, I, I first, I, I said, let me think about it. And I, and I said that to be polite. And really, I was, there's no fucking way I'm going to do this. Right. And then I kind of thought about it and thought, you know, if I get that bumblebee, like, I'm going to, like, I know a bull and I are amazing, but, you know, the chances of me breeding them are probably slim. Who knows? But, and I, I did the trade. I did it. I, I know. It's just, but now, and now that bumblebee is worth, like, Thirty to forty dollars to some people, you know. <laughs> and, and the bone are worth ten now. Bone are worth like. But I know. But sorry, how much? Guys. But how much work but, did you get out of that male bumblebee? Like, I mean, how 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 much yeah. how much grinding did that guy do for you? I mean, I get that. Yeah. Like, well, I I put that. Yeah, I bred that male to all kinds of stuff, and yeah, for like yeah. probably like he probably I probably used him for three years. He made me all kinds of stuff. He made me yeah, and that's why I did it because sometimes. Sometimes the practical decision is not is not the the most glamorous, you know. That's but, why well, I like being a hobbyist. I can fill my cages with a bunch of animals that don't breed and stare at me year yeah, after year yeah, in the yeah, hopes that totally. they actually do it. Where yep. if somebody's doing this professionally, you got to know when to cut the cord and realize that this thing isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. So yeah, yeah, I can and I, I, can I knew, relate I knew to that in my time. heart of hearts that yeah, and I knew in my heart of hearts I didn't have the space for massive caging and to do it properly. And I'm just like, you know, this guy, may, you know, he has probably a better chance. I'm, he wasn't a, that great. I'm not saying he was a better breeder or worse breeder or anything. I'm just saying he had you know right. more time and space. He could in some cash behind him. He could have set up you know so. Sure. But yeah, it still pains me that I did it. But that's the thing, you know. If the bowl and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have made any. I mean, if, I don't do this only for money. But you know, the bowl and I was, it was a lot of money sunk into something that's never gonna get mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, yeah, I, I can, I can relate because there's, yeah. it's not quite as extreme as that. But some people <laughs> would think it's extreme. I know. You gotta find yeah. someone who's had that extreme of one, and I'm not saying yeah, that's a, anything, but it's like a good one. It's so a pretty, buddy, pretty horrible sending, example of one. Yeah, Buddy Buscemi produced this con this Biak Chondro, straight Biak, oh. beautiful Chondro. And, you know, uh, I bought it at the first Carpet Fest, uh, or I won it in the auction or whatever. And, you know, at the time, it was yellow, and it, it had yeah. some pretty decent size on it. And um, it, you know, uh, I met Zach, and Zach had this animal that he called Molly Ringwald, and it was a red bell and tiger, like the real red like kind of like the caramel type of red, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, 
he uh, he really wanted a chondro, and I'm I I really wanted that snake, and I was like, well, I'm, people are probably going to yell at me for this and not understand why I'm trading this beautiful, almost solid yellow biok <laughs> for. Uh, a tiger or a carpet. red tiger, yeah. <laughs> you know, a red tiger but carpet. Yeah. Turns out that that's like the only one because unfortunately Jason Balin had, I think he had a, he had another one that was similar to her, but unfortunately it died. So now I'm in the position where I was working with something that I really wanted to work with, you know, and not what somebody like what I thought other people. Sh- thought I should have worked with. Does that make sense? We totally, like, yep, yeah. Makes total yeah. sense. It fits into my collection. But, but you know, I yep. still get my balls busted for it. It's all right. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but all the, all, all the time. Yeah. Mine are blue for mine. My trade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Holy shit. But um okay, uh, I, I so I lied to you. Uh that picture, those are Easterns. The skinks outside. I apologize. I thought I knew the picture you were looking at. My bad. So I just, oh. I just sent you. A pic- I just sent you a picture now of the of my Swedish line. Massive. Oh difference. holy god! <laughs> Good <laughs> lord. Yeah. <laughs> now, now we know what totally you drew. Fair, part of totally Sweden fair. They have dulled. Those one. Those all have dulled a bit because those. That was probably when they were like young adults. So looking their best. But a couple. There's one. That orange one is still bright that bright if not brighter like it's just crazy looking wow holy hell jesus yeah they're pretty man. sharp man yeah yeah they're cool they, and there's people there's people cool. working with there's people working with dark ones i've got a couple dark ones but like the 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 open world of line breeding northern blue tongue skinks for all kinds of traits it's that's crazy it kind of reminds me of like when the leopard gecko thing was get going, was getting going. I mean, there was nothing, and then like within five, six, seven years, there was all kinds of shit. It was just, it was just crazy right. how that developed yeah. out of nowhere. You know what I like most about those ones that you just sent? They have, they have very Aboriginal color yes, palette. Yes, of course they do. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah I love it too. Yeah, the flecking. It's that flecking in the pattern, like for the the chunks of banding or whatever. There's that flecking in there. It almost looks like their artwork. I am yeah. such a sucker for that, just like you are. Like, me like too, yeah. to me, to me, probably some of the best um, are Kimberly Rock monitors and Pilbara and Pilbara Rock monitors. Yeah, having that 100%. Aboriginal pattern and design, especially the Kimberleys and the, yeah, those two monitors because they, oh, it's just awesome. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, cool. And that's so where they got tell- it from. Obviously, it was the animals, right? Yeah, of course. I, know. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what's so yeah. cool. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. That's awesome. So, tell us a little bit about your setup outside for those guys. Like, so it's it's yeah no no for sure. So I have a friend that um, builds uh, cat cages. These are amazing cages. So he takes the PVC coated mesh that they use to make lobster and crab traps all over. Yeah. You know that you see. Okay. And that that actually comes from the manufacturers. They make it in various grades, like as far as size of the square. I don't know what the correct term for describing that is, but you know what I mean. You know, from like quarter yep. inch to half inch to one inch. So he he started a business called the Beautiful World environments or something like that so what he does mm-hmm. is he used to be my boss at a zoo i used to work at and he's really passionate about all kinds of animals doesn't matter what it is and he 
I think we all agree with this, especially you guys after being down in Oz. He hates. He doesn't hate. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't like cats being outside, free, roaming, killing everything. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's not good for the native wildlife, and it's not good for the cats, right? I mean, how many times right. do cats get? You know. Okay. So he takes that mesh material. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe it. It's basically what they use to make crab traps, and he builds these massive enclosures, either freestanding by themselves, or on someone's sun deck or attached to a window so the cats oh, can go cool. in and out. But but yeah. wait, gets even better. The ones he even builds he even builds them screwed into the side outside like side, the out, external walls of the house wrapping around the whole house multi-level in going in and out various windows. So it's almost oh, wow. like a habit trail like you'd have for gerbils or hamsters or something, but it's mm-hmm. outside wrapping around your house like 10 20 feet up in the air hooked up and the cats can go in and out it with windows. So the cats cats go outside, but they can't go outside and kill stuff. They're always contained in this mesh labyrinth or cage or square, whatever they decide to do. Okay. And some of these cages he's built are awesome. Like, it's just it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's great. So anyway, to make a long story short, we screwed around with different cage designs. And in the end, he built me four foot by two foot by one foot high. And then we had a, uh, a metal worker uh, weld up some aluminum lids that he attached to the cages. And, yeah, they work like a hot damn. So those cages are, are are basically for the animals to get UV, sunlight exposure when it's appropriate. So that would be from – I'm still in the early process. I have more cages to get done. I've got to figure out – I've got to figure out more of a, a sort of exact – I'll call it protocol, exactly how I'm going to do it. But I think roughly what I want to try and do is every day or most days of the week have a rack of skinks outside – each one in a cage, its own cage, for X number of hours in full sunlight with a little shaded area, and mainly oh, okay. for UV exposure, mainly for UV exposure. And they can cruise around, but honestly, they they, they don't. It's so frustrating. You, you know, you put – have you guys ever played around with putting your animals outside in sunlight? Like, not, you know, like uh, properly? Um. Mm-mm. Say no. I, I this no, wasn't, no, a, this wasn't a, like a good owner. No, this is a, this is a, sort of a trick question. It wasn't meant. Yeah, to we have a couple here. inches of snow on the ground right now. No, so I'm I like, understand. Yeah, I'm, not not. Like, I'm, not, I'm not doing. I could have done it today, but I'm not doing it quite yet because it's anyway. Right. They run from the sun. That's the last thing they want half the time. And then sometimes yeah, sure. they, some some of them are like they love the sun. A lot of them they're not happy now. I'm assuming that I have my homework to do, and they're they're probably just not used to the sun, and they probably like us need to maybe build up their. Uh, I've heard the term called sun callus, like a skin callus, but a sun callus, like you you have to build up your your ability to enjoy the sun and withstand it. You can't just go from zero to a hundred in one day. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So yeah. That makes I'm sense. hoping that this year I can. I didn't have the cages left. I still am waiting. Still trying to get some more built for this year, so I don't have near as many as I want. But anyway, Rome in a day. Eventually, <laughs> I'll hopefully have enough cages where I can. I have enough. I can take X number of skinks out, put them back in the rack, and then boom, that rack's been UV exposed for the week or whatever. So that's my plan. That's my plan. And whether I have them out a couple hours of the whole day, it's kind of up in the air. You know, the sun doesn't hit where these are going to be. The sun doesn't hit the same spot all day, so I'd have to kind of move it around, follow the sun a bit. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of work, actually, but I, I don't mind. You know, it's good for me to be able to sun myself, so what the hell, hey, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so do you feel that with these guys, UV is something that's, I mean, because I've heard mixed thoughts on this with, with blue tongues in particular. What's your thoughts well, when it comes I to think, I think ultimately 
no matter what opinion we do or don't have, and this is true of humans, and this is why I don't wear sunglasses or sunscreen, at the end of the day, all animals are designed to deal with the sun. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I understand there's exceptions with nocturnal animals. Fair enough. I'll, 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 you know, but even, I don't know enough about reptiles in the wild, especially tropical stuff. Even nocturnal ones, for all we know, they probably do bask more than we think. Who knows? But anyway, having said that, so with that answer, I think it's important for everything. I mean, I, I'm not saying I know how to dose it or the best way or what lights are work or not work, but if I had a way, if I have a little dream, and my dream is one day some manufacturer in the world will make a very low wattage, full spectrum bulb, self ballasted, so it can give off heat. But I'm talking like mm-hmm. 15, 10 watts, or whatever. Something that you could put in a cage, a four foot cage, it would heat one end, you know, 30 watts, 15 watts, whatever, and would give them UV exposure. Because I, I, I know they have the mega ray bulbs, but they're they're impractical for other than big lizards and giant cages. They're impractical or giant snakes. They're just not. You could never use them for anything I keep. Yeah, right. Cook everything in seconds. So I'm, I can't wait till that technology exists. And I don't want some stupid shitty LED thing. I want something that like actually, you know, a miniature piece of the sun. And they're gonna have it one <laughs> day. I mean, they've already got right. mega rays, and they're down to 50 watts, and they're self ballasted, but. You know, anything under that wattage is a ballast off to the side, and it's, you know, hundreds of dollars, and it's just more wires. And But one day I'm hoping they'll have just a really nice full-spectrum bulb that we can just screw into a fixture. And it gives – and I'm not talking – you know, I don't want to piss off any manufacturers, but, you know, truly gives out awesome amounts of UVA and UVB. I can't wait. Because right. I think our animals – I think all our animals, especially our carpets and even green trees, just everything, I think it'll do so much better. I really do. But do they yeah. need it to survive and be able to breed and do well? No. no. Do they maybe die early from various diseases, maladies, congenital defects, all kinds of stuff because we don't provide it for them? Probably. It's probably our biggest hurdle, I think. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and where yeah. I'm headed with this is, is that, sorry, I just want to say that, that potentially yeah. sunlight, it's sort of, a, it's sort of like a, a maybe everything's headed back to sunlight. I kind of feel that maybe potentially sunlight and UVA and UVB exposure sets the animals up to absorb all the nutrients, whether or not we're providing the right amount of those. But step one is, is giving, in, what I'm trying to say is just giving them the nutrients might not be enough. They might actually need the sunlight to help them process or absorb them. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, sure. I, I we can, don't I know. I mean, yeah. we don't even, they can't even reach a decision with what people need. You know, some people like yeah. vitamin D supplementation for people or cures cancer and everybody should be taking 5,000 IU a day. Other people are like, no, without natural sunlight, the stuff you might as well throw it down, piss it out, throw it out with the garbage or piss it out down the drain because you're not using it. Right. So, And then yeah. other people say, well, all the vitamin D3, you know, unless it's from lamb's wool or lamb's skin, it's total garbage. I mean, it's just nobody knows. What, it's just complete disaster. No, it's all a, it's all a money grab. Yeah. yeah, and it's a giant money grab because there's so yeah. much money. There's more money. There's probably more money now in supplements than there is in food. I bet you there is. I bet you if you started a supplement company as opposed to a, providing a food company, you'd make more money selling supplements. There's probably more profit margin. Oh, yeah. Selling yeah. the shit in a bottle. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, I'm not people, talking reptile supplements. I'm not. I'm talking more people. I'm people supplements. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But having said yeah, because, that, D three D three and calcium does help reptiles. There's no doubt about that. Well, I think we'd all agree on that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I would now agree. I play around with supplementing with snakes. Like sometimes I will just take my rats and roll them in some D three powder and pop them in, you know. And sometimes I'll experiment putting certain oils or you know like maybe omega oils and stuff in them just to see if I notice any difference. And have you? Know. 
I haven't done it properly enough. No, not. It's, oh, okay. It's just I've just I've just done low levels, small amounts, just to make sure I'm not going to kill everything, you know. Before I <laughs> I don't want to. Cause you, yeah. You, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. So. Oh sure. Every, everything has a moderation, or you know, there's there's yeah. always too much of something. I mean. Yeah. That's always I, a thing. I tell Owen and, that about know, ice cream all the time. And I don't listen. <laughs> so you know, don't you tell me how to live my life. You know. Well. Jesus. Totally, and that's I, absolutely, and that's where you come down to. So, I, I, I don't think it's necessary to provide sun. I mean, look at all the people breeding pygmy monitors, and they don't yeah. give them sunlight. You know, maybe the UV too. Sure. Sometimes they don't even use UV bulbs of any kind. So, I don't know. So my yeah. skinks do not have UV bulbs. They do not have lights for heat. They have heat heat tape or heat pad, and that is why I wanted to make the. Uh, the cages for them to bask and i guess someone could say why don't you do that for the snakes i feel that maybe the skinks maybe just might be a little bit more important for them than the snakes primarily because the snakes are nocturnal but then look at green trees we now found out 10 years ago or eight years ago that baby green trees feed during the day at the edges of these grassy sunny fields for little lizards and frogs right so yeah can you imagine how important uv could actually be for green tree pythons when they're growing up it could be very you know it's it's that that's one of those things when you're in the environment you actually start yeah, to I'm... see you know it's like uh so yeah. for snakes in particular in Australia you don't well I'm not okay let me say this I'm sure you see snakes during the daytime <laughs> right I'm sure that in Australia there uh, here come the emails the yeah good job <laughs> I'm talking specifically I'm just talking carpet pythons like and scrub pythons right that's the two pythons yeah. that we saw on the trip you would not see them until the sun went down. And so, once it got too yeah. late, you didn't see them anymore. So it's like you have yeah. twilight yeah. to basically, yep. you know, yep. maybe 12 o'clock. I, 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 I have no personal experience to back it up, none. But I quiz the hell out of everyone, even like just idiot neighbors that went to Mexico. I just I always ask people, what kind of reptiles did you see, blah, 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 just because I'm curious, right? And mm-hmm. even and whether they're sort of – don't even care about reptiles or a hardened herper. It's it's, an, it's pretty surprising how few snakes people see when they go to any part of the tropics, unless they're there for a long period of time and they're way out in the bush specifically looking for them. Right. And even then, they they get burned. They don't see shit. It's so I know. So there is kind of that thing, you know. Maybe snakes go through a period of their life where they need sunlight and it carries them through the rest of their life. God only knows. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's so complicated. But anyway, I, I'm I want to do that with the skinks, and I plan to do it. And I think I think they will benefit out of it. And I like to do it because, you know, I'm not giving each animal a four foot cage. So if at least for five months out of the year, if I'm lucky, they can, you know, have a period outdoor for half a day or something. You know, once a week or two weeks or something. I feel it's it's not going to hurt me. I don't mind doing it. And they're I'm, I'm sure they'll benefit from them. I don't think it's going to hurt them, right? No, no, uh, no, no. no. If, I, if I were to do that with anything, I would try. And like, obviously, I can't because it's too cold. But like, to me, diamond pythons would be the yeah, carpet that I, I would I try. Totally, most, I, I couldn't. Know? I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, you got me thinking about that. I was because I, I was thinking, okay, we're having a show. This is going to come up sunlight. I mean, it has to. Cause <laughs> I think it's an important thing. And I was thinking that for the skinks, that maybe northerns, it's not as important. Yeah. Because. Reptiles from northern Australia, because it's so hot all the time, they yeah. probably bask less, or at least over the course of 12 months, there's more months they don't need to bask. They're always trying to get away from the heat, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, 
Easterns, now, Easterns have a huge range up and down the whole coast, but let's just stick with Southern Easterns, the I-band ones, which is where diamonds come from, and it's much colder, especially in winter, where there could be snow, and they burrow under. Those animals probably are seeking sunlight and basking to get heat way more than their brother, brothers and sisters up north. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just like so that. Kind of yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I was kind of thinking, well, maybe Easterns are going to appreciate the sun more than my Northerns will. Maybe they need more time out. And I'm going to be another thing too that's interesting. I found I you know, this is I don't have enough years to. I'm still really green with skiing. So I'm learning so much. Every, like literally every year, I learn so much because I just throw so many curve balls at you. The e, I've found personally, me, I found the Easterns more a little more trickier to keep and breed. They're a little little more flighty. A little, I found them a little more difficult to get them to. They just seem to be a little more difficult. I find they don't quite eat as well. They still do well, but the Northerns are like, they're just those things are monsters. The Easterns right. are a little more, a little more delicate compared. Definitely a little more. Huh. So, and That's I know in Australia, in Australia, the morphs. When it comes to the morphs, not all, but I'm going to say the majority. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. The majority of the morphs that started out as pure eastern in Australia have mm-hmm. northern in them because they found the northern the northern brought made the made the made the animal the offspring strong the offspring stronger because the pure some of the pure eastern stuff some of those morphs they're not the best breeders not the strongest so huh. a lot, some of the breeders found that by the hybridizing with a the northern they found better breeding stronger animals that's nuts now here's here's a question do they kind of like I don't even know this. I guess I should. Do they mix like a coastal and a diamond and a jungle and a coastal? Like, is there integrated zones? I think they only do the it east? when they're working with the morphs, okay. just like we would. So you're not just going to take a diamond and a coastal and breed them together. No, no, I mean, no. You know, I mean, in, in the wild, yeah. in the wild, do they? Do they're they're. Oh, okay. So, uh, so are you asking if the skinks hybridize in the wild? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're integrated zones. It's, 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 as far as I know, they. As far if we're talking northerns and easterns, I'm gonna say no. But the jury is probably out where the eastern population ends going west and where the northern population starts. So gotcha. they very well could. And another thing too is again, you know, we're just going by pictures. What I mean, Australia doesn't export its wildlife, so it's hard to get a good information. But as the eastern population goes north. Mm. From like Sydney North, northward, as it gets deeper and deeper into Queensland, they those easterns have more of a northern look. Okay. As far as coloring and stuff, I'm not saying they're northerns. I'm not saying they look like northerns, but they look more like northerns than the ones from southern Australia. Gotcha. And hmm. that's just me going by people posting stuff on Facebook from Australia, all the groups and stuff. I mean, if they're Right. Doing weird stuff, then I could be totally wrong. You know, it's it's just what I've gathered. So, yeah, that's that, cool. <laughs> that was the other thing that blew my mind. Is uh, you know, jungles look like coastals, coastals look like jungles. Wait a minute, this shouldn't oh. look like this. Wait, what? 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 <laughs> you know. So did it kind of throw? Did it kind of throw out the door? Your thoughts on what should be what? Yes. Yeah, because yes. I've seen, uh, I've seen animals that. We're supposed to be pure coastal, and I was like, "Those don't look coastal to me, or those don't look jungle to me." Okay, I saw animals that were supposed to be pure jungle, and they freaking look like coastals. But they were 
Like I trusted the source. They, I, I'm not saying too much, but they were they were jungles. Like they had to be. There's no way they couldn't be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. were jungles. Like the person knew where they came from. They were fucking jungles. There's no doubt about it. I you know, found unless someone happened the day before to let some coastals go where jungles live. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and they did. They looked nothing. Yeah, and they 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 just look like nothing we work with. But then again, you know, we've been. I don't want to say inbreeding, but line breeding. Line inbreeding breeding. And, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> for a long time. That's so much so nicer, right? Kind of, yeah. yeah. It's the same yeah, damn yeah, thing. You're absolutely, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. But it just makes me think, like, maybe our concept of oh, it's what, totally, totally, what we totally, think, totally. you know, is, like, not right. Not right. <laughs> or I could, maybe I couldn't it's, agree not, more. it's not exactly, like, like what we think and you know it really just it just opened my eyes you know and i used to think a long time ago i'm like well like when you want to talk about carpets or whatever you know whatever australian reptile it's like shouldn't the australians that keep them and like have them like in their backyard or in their shed in the in the garage or something like that like don't they have a better understanding of what they like what it or is. like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. And it's like we're over here. Most of us have never been there, and we're like saying, "No, that there's no way that can be that." You know, that's that's know. ridiculous. No, I know. You know, like I know. Uh, so. I, you, I mean, you know, if if you take that arg- that discussion long enough, then you know you start even comparing classifying animals. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. I guess there's a reason in evolution. Sure. I understand all that, yeah. but but then you reach the whole thing. Well, it's a carpet python, or it's a python. Who cares? Whatever. I mean, a hundred thousand yeah. years from now, a million years, who knows if it's even gonna exist or what it'll be or what will be? You know, like you know, and you kind of get into crazy 100%. stuff. But <laughs> I, agree. I know our yeah. our idea of what things are is. is Sometimes our preconceived ideas are kind of not the truth. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. And we're going off of what somebody told somebody who told somebody who told totally. somebody where that, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, whisper down the lane. So, so there's, there's a couple things for sure that I want to make sure that we hit on before we, yeah, uh, yeah no, go know, for it. The show. But, um, it. one, let's, so for people that don't know, I, I can't remember the year. I want to say it was maybe three years ago, two years ago. Maybe it was three years ago. You hatched out this crazy-looking black oh, carpet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, two and a half what's years the... ago. Okay, so fire away. What, what's, what, what do you want to know? Updates. Updates. Well, what you know, What is it like, doing? It was jungle, right? It was a jungle mm-hmm. red. No, no, no. Okay, let me start from scratch. Okay, I got to be careful about this. <laughs> it was a zebra of okay. unknown lineage, potentially a pure jungle zebra, but who no one knows. So right. I bred that zebra uh-huh. to a jungle that I'm positive is not a pure jungle and must have had diamond in it. And okay. that I mean it was literally that simple. I mean, uh, we- there's no other genes involved, so some people are trying to say it's some weird super zebra thing, but I I, I don't really see how that could be because right. I bred this animal. This animal was a jungle ze- diamond, probably who knows, mm. you know, low diamond. It was mostly jungle, but it was, a, it was weird to begin with the one I, so it was weird. And you know, that thing just kind of popped out of nowhere. I mean, so, you know, when it hatched being all black because I've hatched diamonds before, I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. Right. 
I was like, no big deal. And then when it was out of the egg, a couple days later, I'm like, actually, this thing's fucking crazy. What am I, what am I brain at? This thing's like amazing. But like when it was hatching and out, I was just, yeah, it's black. It's kind of cool, whatever. It's, Baby, you know, yeah, not, who cares? <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be that cool, you know. But um, yeah, no, it's it's looking. Uh, it's actually, I just moved her. The, she it ended up being a female, and Bigger. I just moved her to a four foot cage the other day. Oh wow! Oh, okay. So she's kind of she's kind of like a you know, so mouse in a house. It's like you know it's way too not too big for her, but she's you know she's still not a huge. She'll grow into it. Yeah. Yeah, I think next year I have a chance at breeding her. So are we thinking cool. that this is kind of like the zebra's take on a diamond blood here, or? Well, no, because we've well maybe, but we've you know people have made jungle diamond zebras. They're not that big. You know what I mean? Yeah, They're but has anybody that... taken a pure zebra to a diamond? Like who's? Anybody done that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, yeah you might. Have I don't know. Yeah. I, so I you're thinking. About that. You're thinking. You're thinking. It's a high percentage diamond jungle zebra. Is that kind of what you're thinking? I'm thinking no, because I'm thinking it's got more jungle in it than diamond. But I'm thinking that this thing just got a little corks. Like it got a little dose of diamond blood, and things have kind of went a little haywire. I mean, I don't know. Right. Well, okay. I so the there's picture... more to there's. There's more to the story. Two things. I'm looking okay. for a photo right now. I've got an updated photo for you. I'll send it right now. I, I keep screwing up. From a distance, it looks like a diamond so much on my stupid computer <laughs> when I'm trying to find the photo. Um, so there's a little bit more to that story, and that uh-huh. is, well, there's a funny part. I don't know if we discussed this last time. You know what? They've made these in Australia, but they don't seem to be as extreme looking as mine. You knew that, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you yeah. told us that last time. Yeah. And, yeah, and do you remember what they called them? Molesters. No. Yes, molester. What? Oh my God! Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They call it the molester yeah. gene. <laughs> We're gonna need to change yeah. that name. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. And they they still like as of recently, like this last breeding season or the breeding season they're having or have just had, they were referring to them as molesters because I saw some threads on Facebook and they're oh, like, God damn oh, it! Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah Wayne uh, works with them. Yeah. Yeah, I think he does. So. Yep. I was contacted by a guy in England, and he Mm -hmm. made them too. And his looked way more similar to mine than any of the Aussie ones. And he used diamond as well. Now, Mm -hmm. he said jungle diamond zebra, but he was – I just sent you a photo. Yep, got it. Yeah, wow. So it looks pretty much the same. You know, it hasn't it has it, it sort of lost, you know, it hatched out black, but it's pretty much, you know, it looks more like a granite does than an actual granite. Yeah, does. I was about to say that. <laughs> it looks more like a granite. Like if, this than was, if this ended up being, if this if this one day was a morph, it's not going to be. But let's just say for <laughs> craziness it was, I'd be like, fuck everyone, this is the best granite, <laughs> you know. What kind of granite do you have? The best one is just the granite. But it, I don't okay. know what other name you could come up with it because it just, to me, it's like, it's a granite. I guess there's some other stupid stone out there it might look like. But, but yeah, she's doing great. She's she's doing. You know what's funny is not only is she doing great, she freaking nailed me so good the other night overfeeding. Went over the rack, oh, over really? the tongs, right what on my a, thumb. And then oh. she wouldn't let go. When I finally got rid of her, trying to get back her, her into her cage, bit me again on the the index finger. Just oh, blood oh, God everywhere. Damn it. Just so <laughs> stupid ones, you know. Wow. Carpet bites bleed like crazy, man. They yeah, they do. do. <laughs> Ask Rob. I, I, I'm being a li- I, I admit, I'm being a little dramatic, but the double bite on feeding night, it's just like, come on, I need my hand. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Any place to put my hands, knuckle bites 
suck. You know, no. Yeah. And, Whole you hand know, swells up. Yeah. And your everything's so bleedy in your finger. You know, it just bleeds <laughs> and bleeds and bleeds. So it was kind of annoying. Bleedy in your. But finger. yeah, she's doing well, and um, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna. I've got lots of options to pair with. I'll probably pair with her dad. That's who I think is most responsible for this, if there is anything going on. He has okay. the dad. Yeah. The, the dad to her has a ton of black freckles in the yellow, more than you would oh. normally see on your on your average nice jungle. Huh. So, and I have no. I sort of have a bit of lineage history on him, but okay, I lie. Not lineage history. That's. Totally the wrong word. <laughs> right. I have a little bit of history on him in that it's been rumored it came from a friend of mine who made a jag breeding jungles together that never had any jag, and he made this weird jag thing. And it's this so long oh. And I remember seeing it. It was years ago. And my friend, it was actually Henry Pjorn in uh, here up in Canada. He made this weird yeah. jag-looking snake, and he had no jags in the breeding. And this was kind of just after jags had sort of come down to more reasonable prices. And he's like, check this thing out. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's like your own line of jags. It's so cool. <laughs> anyway, he – I'm not saying he killed it, but it died. He kept bringing it to shows to show people just because, you know, if he did a show, he'd bring some nice animals to show. And one of those trips, it uh, something happened. I don't know what happened. Something mm. bad happened. So it's toast. That anyway, sucks. potentially this animal, this male I have, is either from that clutch or was offspring from an animal that was from that clutch that made that weird jaggy thing that Henry hatched out. That's so, weird. Yeah, I, it's just too many mysteries. I'll just have to fuck around with it. And I've kept some of the siblings to these two, a bunch of them, so we'll see. But I, I'm cool. a realist. It, 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 it's, you know, I mean, maybe I'll win the lottery. Right. I'm kidding. But, you know, but it's it's not going to be. It'd be cool if it was, though. Yeah, it'd be right. awesome. It was. Yeah. Sure. I mean, we're no. This is the. We're no. We don't have any black carpets yet. That whole thing in the Czech Republic, or whatever, was a scam. The Panther, which is a real shame. That really. And would I be. loved that so much. I know. So did I. So Actually, I, I, I was even. I was even ready to give. I was almost ready to give people deposits on them. Not the actual oh. guy that had them, but people I knew were were trying to get the the group. I was ready to give deposits on their first babies, but. Yeah. That was a tease, eh? Yeah. yeah. You spray painted carpet python. That was mean. <laughs> like, well, all hope is not lost because I, I could possibly. So I have a melanistic IJ project, and they're siblings yeah, are breeding seen some this of the year. Stuff that, yeah. 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 That will be interesting. I've seen that, that that if any of the carpets have a chance, it could be the the popians of the IJs that might be. Uh, that might have. Uh, if if, yeah. if you're successful, there's going to be a few. A few of your IJ people that are going to kick in your door to get to those things. So well, you know. Also, Darwin is what they have in Australia too, correct? Yeah, correct. Darwin. So and, if that uh, if that proves, I can't remember if they if they can prove that out one day or if they have or whatever. You know, that's just a matter of time, right? I mean, it's inevitable. Yeah, they did. I'm coastal this year, so right. You know, I'm the only one who cares about that. So no. um, <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I want it so badly. <laughs> it's just it's me and you. Me and you. We're that's in this it. Boat together. Yeah. <laughs> Probably Don too, but who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Most maybe, people maybe, will be like, know. ah, it's just an albino. I don't know yeah. why we. I'm kind of confused why we're so excited about a black carpet because I don't know what you'd really do with it. I don't really care. I just think it'd be freaking cool. Well, black yeah, carpet. because everything you mix in with it is done, but. You can still have two black carpets that make tiny black carpets. I mean, I'd be alright with, with that. You. I'm be, I'm I don't care. You know, some, of, <laughs> some of my most favorite, some of my most favorite diamonds, 
um, are the super, super duper high black ones. I just think. Those yeah. Are awesome. yeah uh, I don't yeah, have any. Awesome. I've never really seen them, but when I go check out all the stuff in Australia and Google image shit and go through diamond pythons just for fun once in a while, there's, there's some, da- there's some around down there. They have, they're almost all black with just a little bit of yellow or white on them. Yeah. Remember, the remember red. the, um, remember the colons that, um, what's his face made? Those oh so my cool, God. <laughs> yes. I know. <laughs> I know it's kind of oh. like a, like a, Oh my God, you know, don't do it. But I mean, it was a male bowl and I, it's not like he took a female bowl and I, you know, I mean, yeah. Okay. I you're right. That I'm, I'm not trying to justify it per se, but, but I don't, I thought that was a, really cool hybrid to make like it's just he, like oh it's so awesome he had a big block of a head i mean that and that thing was they got dark too so yeah, yeah. now i did hear someone said someone i was talking to i can't remember it was recently because we were talking about this and they said they'd seen somehow they knew him or had seen an updated picture and they said now that they're like a doll they weren't that great yeah so, I, I think i, I don't I, know I so so i'm i'm not don't take my word for it, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'd love to see what they look like, but they looked amazing when they were young, though, young and yeah. I was like, oh my god, it's like a mini bowl, and I want one. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you can't afford the uh, diamond, so you need the cubit sarconia of the bowl, and I. Yeah. No kidding. Um, we're not. You we're can't not allowed have the diamond bowl, and I. You're not too big, right? Because of the size, yeah, they're not allowed. Too big, There's yeah. There's a bunch of snakes that got put on a size and bowling. It's such a weird one, like out of left field, but whatever. Yeah. Wow. There could be okay. worse things they wouldn't let us keep, so it's not, I don't know. It sucks, but whatever. I mean, anybody that has lots of money and wants a bowling eye, they're probably just going to get one no matter where they live in the world, whether they're legal or not, right? It's just, sure. you know, I mean, if you can afford $10,000 or whatever it is for a pair, I know they come cheaper, but for really nice ones or something, you're going to pay and, yeah, like whatever. They're just yeah. going to get them. So we did get a question about your Womas, and I did have that on the list to talk about because you sure. have this red line that's just like freaking crazy Bops. insane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, holy shit. So maybe you can tell us that, a little that bit. Started, I, that started – most of the Womas I have or I've sold to my friends and my friends are working with. So um, they all started with whatever Frank Reedus had. That's okay. where it came from. So you know who Frank Reedus is, right? The monitor breeder. He's um, yeah, he's yeah. run Guana Ranch. So I don't know exactly yeah. who's breeding now. Yeah, Frank Reedus. Yeah, in Arizona. I think he's in Arizona. Maybe not still. Anyway, he was the one who was breeding a shitload of Womas in '96. I think I got them up. Yeah, I think '96. Okay. I imported a bunch, and that's where they started from. Was from that, and we didn't yeah. really know what we had. Again, it's polymorphism, but kind of not really i guess line you know more line breeding and polymorphism kind of thing again so so cool. but yeah no they're uh i don't know what more to say on that we've there's we've we've bred some i mean i'm not the only one that breeds them up here i've got a couple friends that have stuff off me they've been breeding as well and mm-hmm. uh there's some ha- they've they've bred some hamper line into it as well and you know some of the pairs they put together still consistently make you know a portion of the babies are really nice red wow yeah they're really sharp but I, they're nice but I think there's guys down down in the U.S. now that have better red stuff. I think they've, I don't know if they've refined it themselves or got a hold of older bloodlines or, or got new ones or whatever the hell they've done, but I've seen some stuff out there, and it's it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, it seems like the poor Woma, man, it gets the shit end of the stick. It's not it's like... It's not a like, blackhead. That's, it's, it's not a blackhead. It's not a blackhead. You know, and <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's such a cool snake, and it's like... They are. Uh, they kind of get you know, shit they, on, don't they? Yeah, yeah they do. Like, yeah, but such a cool snake, man. 
Okay. But having said that, my womb is have always been the most frustrating snake to handle, feed, deal with because they're just oh god. They just want to eat. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, they, <laughs> they don't stop. Eat. They don't stop. Exactly. And even if they don't bite you, they're pushing against you against the wall or the high yeah. box or the, they're just like, oh god, you guys. It's kind of how you're not paying attention. If you're not paying it. attention, you're 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 an absolute a hole if you're not paying attention when you're cleaning or feeding those things. You're just an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they're ruthless. You're asking females, for it. You know, Females can get a good size. I mean, they're not giants. Oh, yeah. There's still enough size. They'll be make your life miserable. Right. Yeah. Okay. No, I have, I have, I have a, I always have a sink nearby with hot water, hot water, <laughs> or, uh, oh, my or, God. Or, or little, little things of alcohol to dribble on their faces if they bite me and refuse to let go. Because that always works. Just drop some alcohol right. on their face and away you go. Because yeah, they won't right. let go. Like I've, no. I've had them bite. Gloves, paper towel rolls, Rubbermaid lids. You know, they literally bite and wrap them. They're just so voracious, yep. right? <laughs> and I just close the cage and go, fine, I'll get that out tomorrow, you know. So need it. Yeah, they'll hug and cuddle it for five hours, you know. Oh, God. That's kind of how I gauge if mine's gravid, because then if I pick her up and she doesn't try to bite me, clearly yeah, she's yeah, unhappy. That's yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great sign. You know your things are looking good. If she's yeah, if she's mellow, she's not interested in eating. She's yeah. mellow, doesn't want to eat. Yeah. 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 Cool, now, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. This is a question that comes up a lot when it comes in pertain, pertaining to Wilma's is the eggs. Uh, Do you have any difficulty? Bet, right? Yeah. yeah. Incubation? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so before I, before I tell you what I do, I'm going to caution it with this don't do what i do whatever i next say don't try and copy it do not do not do not do it i've tried and tell people to do it my way and it just for some reason it just ends in disaster for everybody and i'm not lying or hiding a secret or anything misleading people it's just this is so before i even tell you what i'm going to incubate and please this this isn't a bragging thing i just want to tell you quickly some of the eggs green tree pythons savu pythons blood pythons blockheads womas antarasia all carpets diamonds uh, Gila monsters, yellow ackies. Uh, I guess that's the majority. Um, mm. I already said savage. That's enough. Okay. So I okay. use the traditional, old-fashioned tunkubator method, and you know what that is, right? The tunkubator. No, please. No. Aquarium <laughs> please eater. Tell me. Okay, so so I take I take a big styrofoam fishing box, the 24-inch ones, uh-huh. and I line it with plastic, just poly. Then I uh, put four two bricks. So two stacks of two bricks. On top okay. of that goes a, a sweater box, you know, like the 16 by 8 inch or whatever rubber made. And I fill it up with water. That's why the two bricks on top. So there's enough room to mm-hmm. get high, high enough to get water. And I fill it up with, you know, water so it's about an inch below the rubber made. Stick in an aquarium heater, a good one, like an Evo Jaeger submersible or whatever good quality one, not a dodgy one. And no thermostat. I use the heater, the aquarium, the aquarium heater it comes with. Go with that. And... I put air holes in the side of the Rubbermaid, not the top. I don't want condensation on the top of the styrofoam dripping onto the top of the Rubbermaid lid and getting in the holes and flooding it, right? Right. So I put holes in the side. I also put holes in the top side of the of the styrofoam box and the, and one hole in the lid, and they're good-sized holes. And i got a little bit more to say, and that's pretty much how I run my incubation. So there's a couple little tweaks I do. So I found the aquarium heaters work pretty good. The, the temperature is probably not as stable as, say, a Herbstat or, or, or whatever else, but I'm never usually worried about accuracy as far as, with, as long as I'm within, within a couple degrees. Like, I don't, okay. I don't mind a two-degree swing with python eggs. It just doesn't bother me. I, I don't care what anyone says. It just does not phase me. I'm yeah. not worried about it. So then I 
one important thing I do is, number one, the eggs are never on substrate. I, I, do, I, I mix it up between vermiculite or water. Mm-hmm. And then I, I put egg crate, you know, like stacks of egg crate in there. And then the eggs are always on plastic egg crating. I mean, I've done this for decades. Right. But, so they're never touching the substrate. And then each individual box is kind of its own entity. Like some of my styrofoams are so big, I can fit two of these uh, sweater boxes in there. Mm-hmm. I okay. guess they're giant shoe boxes, whatever. So each box, depending on how many clutch of eggs and what species, it, it kind of ends up having its own individual environment. But one, there's a couple of important things I do to make this work. Number one is I put a wedge under the front brick. So the Rubbermaid, the back Rubbermaid sitting on the brick, okay? The front of the Rubbermaid is not, it's on top of the brick, but between the brick and the Rubbermaid, there's a wedge. It doesn't matter what it is. I use a piece of plastic or a piece of foam. What the wedge does is it takes the condensation on the top of the Rubbermaid lid instead of dripping down on the eggs. It, it runs Because there's now an angle, exactly, it runs down the mm-hmm. back and drips down the back. And then what I also do is I melt some holes strategically at a certain height. So if the water builds up, instead of flooding it, which I, this is something I ran into early. I still never lost eggs. I just was like, oh, my God, why are these eggs too puffy? Oh, okay, water, idiot. So what I do is I melt a couple holes, on all, a hole on all four sides, because just if I switch the Rubbermaid around or whatever, I'm always guaranteed to, you know, one end's going to be lower. So, so I'm always have a hole. It doesn't matter how I spin the, orient the Rubbermaid. I'm, there's always a hole on one end of the Rubbermaid on all four sides. So mm-hmm. if water builds up in there, because I've added too much or the eggs or the vermiculite's absorbing it or somehow it's dripping in or God knows how because I'm using water as my heat method, right? It's like a water-driven incubator. Yeah. It's, the water will drip out rather than flood up and screw up my eggs. Does that make sense, how I melt holes yeah. in the side? So as the water builds up, it actually starts to dribble out. Yeah. Okay. And, it's like a uh, and, and it, it sounds – maybe I've overcomplicated. Basically, I just have a water-heated box with bricks to hold the rubber made above it and then have a few tiny tweaks. And I check it a lot, and I don't know if that's – I'll tell you, here, here's an example of, of a friend who was having issues with hatching eggs. It was, wasn't snake eggs, it was lizard eggs. But I don't know what kind of incubator he was using. It might have been a SIM container. I'm not too sure. But some of the incubators people use are fairly airtight. Yeah. Uh-huh. And every time he would open it, it would cause a vacuum. Like he would actually change the, – because the pressure is changing, and his eggs would be doing really weird things, and he was actually killing eggs. So maybe one advantage to my incubator – is that I have a lot of airflow in it, and I'm checking it every day. And what, maybe water being a heat source, because I do have to top it up, right? Maybe water mm. being a heat source allows tons of ventilation, but doesn't let them dry out. So I'm not too sure, but I've just I've, ne- I've, I've I love the idea of this big giant Coke all glass giant industrial refrigerator that you got out and put a bunch of herbs, you know, heat tape and herb tape and milk jugs, and away you go. I'm like, oh my god, that would be awesome, but. I'm too chicken to try it. I just don't want to. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> messing with my... If it's the other right, I don't want to it. do one... Cent- I have another reason, too. Mm. A couple of things. Number one, I don't want to have one central incubator. It's just me being crazy. Because if something were to go wrong, I'm going to lose everything. Whereas in my method, I, I, I suppose all my incubators could crash on me, but chances are it might only be one. And if it does, hopefully I can catch it. Right. So I am at the mercy of the aquarium heaters. I will give you that. So that is what I am the mercy. But... You know, again, touching wood, generally those aquarium heaters are usually pretty reliable. And I try to, I'm probably due to replace them this year. I usually try and replace them like every, I don't know, three, four, five years, and I'll just buy new heaters. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. 
and it, it seems to work. And uh, as I say, I check those incubators a lot. I'm like, I I know the eggs aren't doing anything. They're you know day one to forty. I'm still I still check them every day, just because I love breeding reptiles and I love looking at the eggs and you know imagining what's going on. And I tend to candle quite a bit too, see what's going on. Yeah, there. I and, love that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's fun. And yeah, I've had pretty good success, and I've done that with Womas, but man, I've told people to try and do it, and they always, it just never works for them. I don't know what, what else I'm doing or not explaining right or something. Somehow they're getting, they're letting them get too wet. I think I have a good gauge of when eggs are too wet, and I've done it many times. I'm like, holy shit. Actually, conversely, I've done the same too. I can have a water-driven incubator, and I can dry out the eggs so bad that they would die if I didn't do something. Wow. So I don't know how people screwed up, but somehow they let them get too wet. I'm not too sure. I guess condensation builds up and slow, you know, you know what I wonder? I wonder if the egg crate can wick water once it reaches a certain height, can whip it up, can wick it up to the eggs without it actually looking like it's up there. Does that make sense? It sure. does. I mean, because you know, the, because kind of the egg crate is such a small little square, I bet you they mm-hmm. have some of like surface tension wicking ability that, you know, I, I don't know what it would be, but I'm kind of grasping at straws here, trying to grasp why people might have trouble. It, Wilma's are just that I, I, I've been warned against them being a difficult thing to incubate since I got my pair. So, and I got a clutch last year that uh, I'm not entirely sure were fertile, but they ended up dying in in uh, incubation totally. So I don't know. Did you did you candle them when after they were laid? Yeah, and they were yellow. I mean, there was nothing yeah, so going were, on in there. They were yeah, they were probably infertile. I bet you if when yeah. you uh, when you get a this year when you get a perfect clutch, you'll have no problem doing it. Let's hope so. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like yeah. that. I, I haven't produced Wilma's yet, so that would be a kind of a plus. So. Oh fuck! Yeah. They're 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 one of the best babies when they pip their little heads out and they got the little sunglasses and they're, they're so cool, man. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be real. You'll be you'll be totally smiling to yourself. You'll be like, oh my god, this is so cool. It's awesome. But what um, snake is one patch out? You know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Season needs to hurry up. Um, and then, uh, so I was just, there was one other thing I was curious about, and then we'll close on the uh, fish and wildlife uh, sure. um, talk. But the last time you were on, you talked about, which I thought was just brilliant, you know, um, oh, with that the chondros. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you did was you said instead of putting a four-foot cage long ways, you put a four-foot cage standing up. And you kind of kept your chondros that way because that's sort of what oh, man, you see them doing so in the wild. I was so excited that I said something brilliant. I was like, wicked, what did I say? Ah. <laughs> I, was, I was wrong, wrong, wrong. It doesn't make a fuck difference. Those things will, unless you miss them or put them in a new cage or torture them or pinch them, they won't move. They are so in captivity. They're so sedentary. There's nothing. I just, it's it's hope. I mean, uh. I don't know what the answer is. Okay, I've seen, I've, I love what some people are doing. I've, I've seen... We've all read the, the forums and thread, sorry, the Facebook threads and stuff, and it's the, the not the water baths, the the not, it's, I guess it's like a misting bath we'll call it or a misting the rain chamber, chamber. Yeah, yeah, the rain, the rain chamber, chambers. yeah, that's yeah. that's the way, and I don't know how much exercise they're getting, but that is the way. So, I I have some other species of pythons. I'm doing what I did for the chondros, and they move way more up and down, like carpets and stuff. Like they for okay. sure go up and down those branches, and that's they'll bask cool. under it and totally, and they love it. But the green trees, phew, no. Same with Amazons. I had it for Amazons too, and uh, it was just, 
it just, I, I just said, this is a complete waste of space. I'm just, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, the only thing we can do is, is feed them less. Unless, unless you have a lot of time and a lot of space to build up rain chambers and move them in. You see, I'm, I don't know, I'm a little nervous to have this one chamber that all my animals rotate through. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I would be too, <laughs> unless you can sure, sanitize no. I mean, the hell out of it. I know you can sterilize yeah. it, but I'm just, I'm just thinking at the end of the day, what's, What's what's common sense telling me what to do? It's like, you know, I could, yeah, I don't know. So what I did do with my chondros, I can just quickly say it, it. It's not that big of a revelation. I basically built a rack system for my green tree pythons on my Amazon tree bows. So oh, I okay. went on Amazon, and this sounds stupid, but where I live, you know, ideal Rubbermaids are impossible to get. So I had to go to Amazon, and they have, Iris has these big bins. They're, I'm, these are approximate dims. They're three feet long, 18 wide, a foot high. So I built my own rack system for those, and hmm. I screwed in a bunch. I screwed in a bunch of branches, and I don't use lights. I use heat tape. So they do bask, but it's more of you know radiant heat kind of basking off the, pa- you know they're not under a bulb like I traditionally did, and the, the, either the heat's underneath them. It, sorry, I, I should explain this better. When I built the racks, I kind of built it overheated with the op- with the options of me playing around with it. So each each level has its own belly heat. Okay. And then there's also back heat going down the back of the rack. Oh, okay. So I can use both or one or the other or one half the day and the other one half, whatever I want to do. It's totally up to me. And I'll admit I haven't, this will be the first year, we'll see how breeding goes this year. But so far, not as far as the breeding goes, that's, that's fine, that's fine. But as far as maintaining them and keeping them and everybody doing, they're doing great. So far I've not, you know, again, back to the wood. But they're doing really good. I, I absolutely love the rack system. If I was to go one day go all chondros, I would totally build a bunch of these rack systems. I find it's way easier to deal with them too. I found in cages, I don't know, less the two by twos. You're, it's more likely if you've got a nasty biak, you're going to get bit because there's less room to mm. move around, right? Because the two, I've never right. been a fan of the two by two cube, and I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. I know tons of people have great success with it. I just, to me, I think we talked about this last time. It's the same floor space or no it's the same cubic volume it's the same volume a four foot by one foot by one foot is the same volume as a two by two by two right but a two by two by two is it, it, it seems less unless the snake goes in a circle like it's like a fish that swims around in a circle all day which it doesn't then it seems to me kind of an odd size because if they both take up the same volume why not i'd rather go with a four by two by one and i know my racks are way smaller but i've just i just couldn't wrap my head around a two by two so i had certain space and I thought you know what I'm going to build this rack and I built a, several of them and so far I love them so it, yeah. I'll admit it's a bit overkill for the males right in <laughs> a perfect world I'd have you know a big row for females and then a separate row for the males but whatever I, you know some males are in smaller cages but most of the males I have them in those racks and they're loving they're like woohoo this is great <laughs> that's awesome okay. so, and I've got some I've got some aggressive biox and I can pull the bin out and um, I can I can deal around them. I can move the water, pull the crap out. It's really easy to get into. You're kind of going down, and it's easy to shield yourself from the snake without disturbing everybody. I don't know. I really like it. Breeding, we'll see. Huh. We'll see what happens if, over the next couple of years how successful I am breeding them, you know. In this yeah. Cage. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, unfortunately that cage didn't. And I'll tell you one thing that bad that happened in that cage. It would happen in any cage, but it was worse in that cage. So... Uh, I don't know if you ever remember me posting a really cool blue designer female I had. Uh-huh. When I was showing yeah. those cages off, I, I often showed her. She was really nice. It was one of my own babies from some designer stuff I got years ago. So mm-hmm. 
she gave me a really nice clutch a couple years ago, and then about a year, I guess literally a year ago, I went in there one day, and there's all this shit on the bottom of the cage. And I suppose it could be my problem. I probably should have rain changed. I've never had a problem with a snake ever. She's pooped and done perfect. I might have been a little overzealous in feeding her to get her body weight back from laying eggs. You know how condors yeah. can, you know, they, okay. Look anyway, horrible. Yeah. When, she, when she defecated, her intestines or her her rectum, would, well, not only did she prolapse, but her intestines, She actually she didn't prolapse. Her intestines prolapsed. Uh, with the feces still inside it like it's uh, it so weird i was like what the hell so when i found her that morning because it had dropped so far down the feces with i guess it pulled everything out and it was strung all through the cage it was just i was just like oh my god so uh, all i could do it had already broken off and there was like this one inch of dried you know ready noodle going up into a cloaca and i knew what that was so I kept her alive for a year, and I was feeding her tiny meals, and she was doing okay. And then one day she just died. Just died dead one day. Yeah, Damn I knew. Man. I knew it was. Com- I knew that letter was in the mail, and you know, I didn't yeah. keep her alive in pain. You know, she seemed perfectly happy. I just was like, maybe if I give her small meals and, and wait long enough, like her intestines will grow back. Of course, they're not going to. But I, I just thought, well, let's just see what happens. You know. Yeah. That but sucks. That's chondros for you, and you know. Especially some of the other, some certain chondros can be more problematic than others, you know. Yeah. They can be fiddly things. Cool. All right. Well, so, like I said, the last thing uh, to hit on, because we're mm-hmm. going to get cut off at any point here, but the uh, there's new yeah. fish yeah, and wildlife laws. Yeah, so... I guess before I say what I'm going to say, this is all hearsay. I, there's been no official document from any government agency stating what is exactly going on. So right now, it's just a fucking disaster. Oh, Basically, as far as, as far as we know, and I sent you a copy of that letter, and this, this, this is where it gets weird. Not every single port... Okay, I'm going to start from the beginning and say this properly. This is what I've been told, but again, this is all hearsay. The Australian government approached the U.S. government saying there's way too many Australian animals in the pet trade, especially in the U- coming into the USA or coming in and out. We have never issued commercial permits for one single reptile except for maybe, and we don't even know what maybe that was. It might have been like, I don't know, bearded dragons and one shingleback. But they said any animals that left our country have gone, have left our country under uh, not commercial purposes, zoo or educational purposes. They were never supposed to be released into the commercial trade. We want you to stop letting them in and out. This is not, you know, under the Lacey Act. And so Whoa. certain fish and wildlife agents have, like, run with it, and they're, like, overzealous Nazis, and they're just gone crazy. Like, they're just so... I've heard U.S. ARC is going to get involved. I don't really know. But here, here's the frustrating part. So I'll start from the beginning for me personally i i was going to send a bunch of skinks down there that i had pre-sold and i'm not doing that anymore because this is i just i can't be bothered to deal i'm not risking my animals getting seized or it's just fuck it i i my life life's too short to deal with a government that's going to run that way so yeah from what i hear certain ports you can still get animals in and out of but that potentially could be clo- stopping soon and in the meantime most of the major ports U.S. Fish and Wildlife will not let you send any Australian wildlife out, period. Wow. Now, there hmm. is a catch to that. And, well, there's not a catch. It's just that some things, like carpet pythons are probably okay because of all the stuff from Indonesia and the way right. CITES is set up. It's probably not too big a deal. So that's, that's right. probably, we're probably fine with that. Right. But everything else, and and this is the weird thing, is, is well, not weird, it's, 
traditionally, if you deal with importing exporting animals around the world, CITES is always the big issue. So if you heard this, you'd be like, oh, shit, that sucks. You can't do CITES animals. Oh, well, I can still do all the skinks. I can still do all the geckos, uh, bearded dragons, other gamids and dragons. But no, CITES has nothing to do with this. It's Australian animals, period. Reptiles, I should say. Whoa. But, again, this is... This is still potentially hearsay. I myself have not been in this situation because I know what's going on, so I'm not even going to try it. I'm just like, forget it. Yeah. I've got other people. I've got other people who want my animals that aren't <laughs> right. beef or try and confiscate. I, I just the whole like if fish and wildlife came out with. See, this is the this is the fun of it for fish and wildlife, where you know the jokes on us. They say they've always enforced the Lacey Act. And, and, yeah, okay. And, yeah, exactly. But now now they're really going to enforce it. Maybe before they weren't as tight as they should be, but now they're really going to enforce it. And so it, it seems to be that it's it's potentially a group of inspectors or a, or a, or a I don't even know what you'd call it, a consortium of inspectors or something. Because if, I've talked to them at various ports trying to get an answer, and all they say is, well, we've always had the Lacey Act, and if you can't prove where your animals came from, then you know we don't have to let them in. And, and then other Fish and Wildlife agents have said, well, it depends on the inspector and what, what they feel of the vibe of, of the... I mean, they didn't quite use the word, but that's the word I'm going to give you. That's, that's, the vibe I got was him saying, it depends on how the inspector feels that day, whether or not that's they're going to let it in or out. So there's, fu- and so there's wow. no official document, and nor will there ever be, because it's back to the Lacey Act and proving your animals are legal. So uh, inspectors say, you can import all the Australian reptiles you want. You just have to prove legality of origin out of Australia. Good luck. I mean, that was done like, how many years ago? Oh, dude, I, I have a, I have a, a Blue Tongue Skink book called... Uh, oh, Blue Tongue Skinks. Gee, what an original title. Anyway, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, German, <laughs> it's a It's a... It's a German European publication was originally in German and it's been redone in English for years. It's totally out of print now. Anyway, they have uh, breedings of northerns or easterns, who knows? But back to the early 1900s, they have wow. names and dates of people breeding them back then. So it's like, mm. can't we just present that to Fish and Wildlife and tell them tell them to stuff it for at least? You know, I don't know. But then what about the gecko? You know, and yeah. in fairness, you know, you do see a lot of animals in Asia that are, I don't know where they come from. They, you know, there's a lot of stuff yeah. out there you see on Facebook. You know, I've seen lace monitors and parentheses on Facebook that people have. I was like, how the fuck did they get those? But yeah, maybe right. they do. I mean, you know, zoos, zoos get this stuff out. So I don't know. Huh. It's, it's kind of a disaster. Well, and that's yeah, the sad. problem is it gets out of Australia, gets into Europe and then they breed them in Europe for years. And then they eventually get over here. It's like, we can't prove legality because we don't. Then you don't know. get the, then. Then as far then as we can't do it. Concerned exactly. Yeah. They're just like that. that they're so, simple, cut and dry. You can't prove it. You can't bring it in, and nobody can. So we got yeah. So the stuff that's now, here is here. Having said that, there there are people out there who claim that there are receipts going to zoos, and zoos have the receipts to Australia. So who knows? I mean, well, I don't know. It would be nice if Fish and Wildlife and the reptile community came together and came up with a list, like you know. Here's the list of animals that have been bred commonly, you know, since 20 years, you know, 20, 30 years. You know what I mean? Here's a list yeah. of chickens, skinks, geckos, all this stuff. Okay, here's the stuff that we all agree probably there's never been, le- you know, it's more of a modern. If it shows up, it's them. not supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, you know, these, you know, and, and maybe together everybody could come together and prove up a, a fair list. And maybe even Australia would agree. I mean, what do they, I mean, here, here's, wrap your head around this. Now, this is just a paper I have. I have a really neat paper. Um, I can't remember who actually did it, if they were Europeans or Australians. 
But this paper is done by scientists, and it's, it's, it was the study of diet of, blue t- of two species of blue-tongued skinks, Centralian blue-tongued skinks, which is, uh, I can't remember right now. Oh, Occipitalis. No, Occipitalis is Westerns. It was Westerns and Centralians. So it was the two species, and for some reason, my favorite skink, I can't think of the Latin name, but that doesn't matter. Anyway, what they were saying was that they, as they were studying the diet contents, they were studying feces, and they were, I guess they, oh, they were, you know what they were going by? Roadkill. Uh, that's how they were getting the gut contents. I'm pretty sure it was roadkill because that's the best way. They might have caught some live ones and waited for them to poop or something. But um, right, they um, so they gave an estimate on how many are run over. Now this argument could go against us, like, well, that's why Australia should never let any out because so many are run over. Oh, multifasciata. I had to look in a book. That's the Latin name on a centralian blue tongue. So right. this paper was on the diet of centralians and western blue tongue skinks, and they they on their sample they did a little bit of math. I have no idea how accurate it is. They said they estimate 10,000 a year are run over just in those two species. Holy shit. Yeah, and those skinks, uh, Centralians and Westerns, they can boogie. Like wild ones, they they can, like, I've, I've known guys who've seen them down there, and those things can boogie. Like, they're fast. So I can see shinglebacks, you know, more easily getting run over. We've all heard, seen photos, you know. But, yeah, so 10,000 a year. Now, I don't wow. know how the science is, but... You'd think these guys would have a good idea. I mean, they're not fucking around, so I don't know. It's just it's so depressing. It's just like really it I don't is. know why Australia doesn't I don't know why they don't legally allow their own countrymen to breed them and sell them. I don't know why Australian citizens can't prove captive bred animals, breed them and sell them. Export them, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, yeah, they just do think this. about the money that there, there, they could pour back into conservation. You know? Yeah. Whatever. I totally agree. But that's never going to happen. Yeah. Here's the irony of it, and this is just my take on it, real quick, is we all know smuggling takes place. It's just. Yes. Uh, I mean, it, whether you like it, hate it, disagree with it, want to kill people who do it, regardless, it, it, I mean, you know, if they're if they're smuggling drugs and people and rhino horn, then pet reptiles is a joke to these guys. It's just or mm-hmm. whoever these people are. So. Here's what's going to happen. Let I just run this scenario. Like the U.S. probably breeds X number of northern blue tongue skinks, X number of geckos, especially all the all the Australian gecko species. You guys breed a lot of the all the little desert guys. So let's just for fun say that every year the U.S. exports 2,000 Australian geckos and 1,000 skinks. I mean, let's just for fun throw those numbers out. Well, now you can't. And a lot of those would some would go to Europe. I got it. But a lot of them would go to Asia. For sure, they yeah. go to Asia because there's a huge market yeah. there. So all of a sudden, Asia has no access to those, to the nice USA captive bred ones. Well, guess what they're going to get? They're going to go smuggle the wild ones out of Australia. Yeah. Well, the guys yeah. are already, there's guys in Asia already smuggling the wild it's, ones. It's going to happen. They, they, now they're yeah, going to more. They, they, they don't bring that many in because the demand is there, but it, the demand is more for rare localities of them. So now they're going to be all these knobtail geckos. They're just going to go get the generic ones, and they're going to smuggle them because the demand's going to increase. Australia cannot win. I, I think, it's just, I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's stupid. But, again, we don't know how true this is. This this policy could maybe when a new government gets in or an existing new people head up a fish and wildlife say, well, this is ridiculous. We've got to have some concrete rules on paper that people can go by. This is bullshit. Let's let's do this. And maybe the hub, you know, who knows? Maybe U.S. article. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> so it, it doesn't affect – I'm up in Canada. I'm – doesn't affect. I mean, it would, the only thing it would affect me is I can't send animals down or or get animals sent up that are you know you know. That's the only thing it affects me. But I can still export my babies and import stuff from Europe or whatever I want to do. Yeah. But it's okay. frustrating. Jesus. I mean, there's 
animals in the USA I'd love to get, and lots of people up here want animals from the USA, and we have stuff we can send down, so. Yeah. yeah. Like Nuts. those northern blue tongues. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. At, least, at least you guys have a, a good number of those, but think about people working with all the other skinks, that so there's not a lot of them around, and now they're they're just they're sort of stuck on a desert island now. What's wow. there is there. That's, that's so bad. Yeah. Well, it's frustrating. I mean, as I say, I just wish step one would be why don't they tell us the exact law, not hide yeah, behind you. the veil of vagueness of the Lacey Act? Like, come on, guys. But, May, maybe, maybe once we change uh, the current uh, status of our government, maybe things will change. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, who knows? Um, that's that's a very good question. I don't. That's that's a really tough one. Is it? Is that even an issue? Or yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I don't know. Some of us have been waiting for their goddamn passport to get here, but you know, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's neither here I nor there. <laughs> so yeah, but, no, I, 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 it is, it is crazy. You know, I, I don't, I don't even know what to say. I try to avoid the politics thing because it's just it's so, oh yeah. It's such a huge machine. We have so little control. Yes. We think we do, and we think we can vote and all this stuff. And, you know, it helps, but at the end of the day, you know, these guys just dance around, do what they do. One side's the same as the other, and we're just the <laughs> people in the middle. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, like, totally. okay. Yeah, yeah, so. Play with their lives well, and see how we can fuck them over. Cool. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll probably cut off at any point. So, Don, why don't you just throw yeah. out, you know, any information no, you want yeah, and uh, man, what, what an was awesome that? Sorry, show. what was that you said? <laughs> oh, I don't know. If you want them to your Facebook page or like, how can people see what you got going on if they want to get in touch yeah, with Facebook you? Yeah, Facebook is probably the best. I have a website too, but it's more just to let people get a hold of me. There's definitely photos and stuff, but the information's totally old and updated. Outdated, and I'm a little guilty of that. But um, yeah, okay. Facebook's the best. You know, that's kind of where kind of everybody is nowadays, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I kind of thought as much. Yeah. So in the description, so for the listeners in the show description, uh, Don's Facebook page is linked up there. So we'll take you right to it. So cool. Yeah, man, it yeah, was great awesome. uh, talking with you again. As always, uh, it's always a blast. Oh, and, guys, we hit on a lot of so topics. Having, yeah, Love thanks it. so much yeah. for having me on. It was a pleasure. I think we got a lot accomplished today, man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, so so go take a break. You've earned it, and uh, you know, have fun shoveling shit. I guess. <laughs> yeah, we'll awesome. check out uh, you soon. Thank you so much, and good luck with all your uh, hopes and dreams with all your animals this year. I hope it, I hope everything goes to plan. What you want? Definitely. So, Thanks, man. Cool, man. Take all care, right. guys. Yeah, right. we'll talk Bye-bye. to you soon. Yeah, for sure. Bye bye. All right, man. That was uh, that was awesome. I really uh, I like that. Thank we hit you. on all, all of our our favorite stuff. <laughs> I needed yeah. you to say at the end of the episode that that was an awesome show because Rob didn't do that last week and it disturbed Jesus me greatly. Jesus Christ, Rob! You're I know. <laughs> you don't say that it was an awesome show. What the hell is going on? You're hanging up on the co-host. Has he listened oh, to the show? <laughs> I, I have not listened to the show as of yet. No, no, but, no. Has uh, Rob listened to the show? Ever. Uh, he gets no, to know no. how these things are done. Anyway. No, he te- he texted me the next day. He kind of let me know some of the uh, snafus that they ran into. But uh, he said once <laughs> you guys were up and going, you were you were good to go. So. <sighs> all yeah. right. Run it, it down. Let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> all that more valuable. Um, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, next week is uh, that's still sitting up in the air, but uh, there might be a possibility that I think it just might be me and you hanging out, so talking about cool. various credency and stuff like that. But um, I want to send a shout out to uh, Jeff Frederick again for the uh, awesome logo design that he did from the hands of Jeff Frederick. If you are interested in, hey man, maybe you even want a picture of your, you have a picture of a snake that you want drawn. I'm telling you, he's the guy to go to. Check him out. Yeah. From the hands awesome. of Jeff Frederick. Uh, as far as us, MoreliaPythonRadio.com. Our email is info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, you know, about a guest, a question, a topic, something we said wrong. Who knows? Whatever. <laughs> Send it. <laughs> Lots uh, of those emails. <laughs> you can also check out our Facebook page uh, as Morelia Python Radio. Um, and also check out our Facebook group. I guess we are officially saying it's Morelia Pick of the Week, which, by the way, tip of the week was uh, this week was from our good friend Keith McPeak, where he talks yep. about the snake bites you, how to get them off. It's pretty good. Check it out. It's over there. Uh, I love Keith's, uh, I'm going to call it a rant, but it's not really a rant, but his, uh, his, his, his writing is just really good. He should write a book. Um, I think <laughs> make you should. him do that. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> In your spare time, Keith, you better. Keith, chop yeah. Up. When you're not doing anything, start writing a book. We don't care what it's about. Just do it. He's just really yeah. good at it, and he has a whole lot of yeah. knowledge. I can't wait to go to Australia with him, man. It's going to be a blast. That's going to be anyway. so cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, ebmorelli.com, uh, and my email is eric at ebmorelli.com. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all that stuff. Uh, and that's all I got. Cool. Uh, I got you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. Check out everything we got going on over there. And this Saturday uh, is the Oaks Pennsylvania Reptile Show at the Greater Oaks Expo Center outside of Philadelphia. Um, I will be there vending. I'll be vending with my friend Andrew of DNA Exotics, and he'll be having a bunch of iguanas. I'll be bringing a bunch of my carpet pythons and various other stuff. If you are in the area and if you are at the show, please stop by, chat up some carpet python stuff, and uh, come hang out. It's going to be a good time. Uh, other than that, that's all the shows we have coming up uh, vending-wise, so stay tuned for more. And that is all we have for everybody tonight. Thank you all for listening, and we're going to catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night. <laughs>